Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Core. This is Core episode 330. I'm John Jagger. I'm not the normal host, but I'm hosting today. Scott is on a boat. He will be back soon. <laughs> yeah, he's on a boat. Joining me, as always, is Bo Schwartz. Hey, Bo, how you doing? Hi, John. I'm good. Yeah. We said that when Scott puts the music in in post, it'll just be natural and normal, but I'm sure that with you singing the intro... Uh, it would be spectacular. <laughs> I meant to tell you, ask you if I should do that before, and then I just no, kind of did it. No, just I don't go know for if that. It. I think that okay. makes it better. I think now Scott doesn't have to do editing. Hey, Scott's away this week. You get what you get, okay? Just be glad you got something, selfish yeah. listeners. You get what just you get, it. and you don't throw a fit. Hey, speaking of being a parent, you know, this show, a lot of times we talk about business deals, mergers, virtual realities companies going under weird bad monetary practices all sorts of negative stuff not not today everybody today our first topic that we are talking about is a genuinely positive one i i'm putting this in here at the top selfishly because i just wanted to start with something nice today and that okay. is a little right. news story i saw uh, i saw it on gamer rant uh parent of the year creates their kids fisher price toy game controller in the xbox design lab so i don't know if you've ever played with the xbox design lab bow but it is basically you can go there you can make a series x controller now i think is what it is it used to be the the older model of them maybe you can still pick i don't remember but uh you go there and you get to pick all the colors and the positioning of everything and uh, create your own little custom controller. And as a hmm. dad, uh, I, I, I have a kid who has literally this controller. Uh, it was one of the first toys that my son ever received. and uh, The Fisher-Price one? Yeah, the Fisher-Price one. Um, and somebody went to the website... And now has remade the controller. Show it right there. They've remade the controller for an official Xbox controller. And honestly, I kind of like how it looks. Like, I thought the official price controller was a real controller. At first. I'm like, I don't remember hearing about this controller. So <laughs> it's just a toy that beep and bloops, basically. It is. Although, a similar story, there's a guy who uh, turned the Fisher-Price controller into an actual working Of course, Xbox I mean, there's a guy who turned bananas into, bananas into controllers, I think. It won't, like, I assume just anything can be a controller now. Yeah, anything can be a controller and anything can play Doom on it. Those are yeah, the your, rules. Your grandmother's hairdo can be a of controller. Of gaming. Um, but, yeah, I thought this was really, I thought this was really sweet. What a nice thing to do. What a good yeah. parent. Um. And so they made they made the the color matched it essentially, and then bought one for himself and the little one so they could play Xbox together. Yeah, and then That's I nice. imagine one day the little kid's gonna inherit the the better controller and get to play it for real and uh, get to enjoy it. Yeah, well, he'll probably get it. Like I remember when I moved out, I got like you know here's the socks you wore when you were a baby. Like they're somewhere in my house. <laughs> like I have like little knickknacks. So. 
<clears throat> no shade to my family or anything, but this is an infinitely cooler knickknack. <laughs> Here's the controller I got you when you were a baby. <laughs> Not going to use it now, but it's a nice memento because and it's cool because it's a controller. I also think there's a there's a great age. Uh, my son isn't there yet, but there's a great age where I feel like you can give a kid a controller, and you can kind of fudge it. You can have your controller on your own, and you can be like, "Look, look what you're doing up on the TV." And you can kind of get away with playing video games while your kid thinks oh. they're controlling the business. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I yeah, I I don't like to backseat parent. People are pretty sensitive about how their parents are, <laughs> but I know for me, I would, I would, I would let them control and just point out their failures. But you know that that's why I don't have kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, are- there's a there's a time and a place. I think that once kids I are able so. to to play it and control it, you let them go to town. Right now, if I give my son a controller, it's as likely to be thrown hard on the ground as he is to play with the menus and things on the screen. The, the part I worry about, and this is probably just an adult's concern, and a kid has no conception of this, and that's sort of my mistake. Is just, you know, thinking you're really good and then the shock and realization to learn that you've been lied to. But maybe at four, these concepts are very abstract or I don't, (laughs) you know, that's what I'm thinking about, right? Like, I don't want to, uh, that whole, yeah, I have issues when it comes to children and deception. I didn't like learning that Santa wasn't real and I got a chip on my shoulder and I'm worried too about it. (laughs) careful with that (laughs) statement, Bo. I, I, oh, sorry. Uh, Yeah, anyway. That, no, that's the thing. Well, anyway, I don't want to make a stand on this show, so we're, let's just move on. I'll be careful. But, yeah, it's that whole thing. I was pretty old when I – I was kind of embarrassingly old when I finally accepted Santa wasn't real. It was like 12 or something like that. I was pissed off because <laughs> I felt foolish. You know, and everyone's like, I didn't believe since I was this age or whatever. You know, so I've always just been – anyways, not to go on too deep of a tangent. Please uh-huh. do the parenting – do not listen to me. I have no kids, so I'm not an authority whatsoever. <laughs> you definitely don't have kids. Yeah, and people definitely and don't listen. Nobody to me on would that on subject. a podcast make the statement you just made. Mm. Um, That's all yeah. right. I do agree but, with um, Chad, who says no kids should be listening. That is true. That doesn't mean they aren't listening. <laughs> have you heard our mashups? I'm hoping no kids listen. They <laughs> go to jail. Um, but I think this is cool, and it's obviously very sweet. And I had a tangential question just about game rent or. This website, just yeah. the name. Is it Game Rant or Gamer Ant? Oh, jeez. I, I mean, curious. I would assume Rant because that's what they say, but you don't you don't really know. What if it is a website oh. run by ants that play games? The font is Game and then Rant. I just... Eh. Okay. Well, the font ruins all the fun. If you were starting a podcast and thinking of calling it Gamer Ant... <laughs> You Gamer aunt think. might still be available. If you have <laughs> yeah. if you have a sister or brother that has children, you can still do this. You can make it happen. Yeah. I think Gamer Ant is better than Gamer Ant, but hey, they know what they're doing. Uh, um, anyway, yeah. back to the more uh, oh, the one more, more question typical, for okay, you. Okay, yes. Sorry, I know you're trying to keep the pace, but no. how much do these controllers cost? Like, is it the same price, or what's the premium on? It depends on what thing? what features you want. So they have uh, they have kind of different features on the Design Lab, where you can do. I think you can have things like chromed. You can do rubberized Ooh. grips. So we actually got this uh, for my stepkids as a um, as a 
I think it was a Christmas present. And uh, we, I, I tricked him. Speaking of deception for kids, uh, I tricked them. They mm. came into the room for some reason that we didn't, you know, we were just like, hey, can you guys come in here? And so my wife was acting like she needed to talk to the kids. I'm at the computer uh, and I'm pretending to make a controller of my own. And I knew that as soon as they came in, they would be wanting to participate, right? Like, oh, John's doing something fun with controllers. Let's do it. And so they came in to talk to her. And then they said, what are you doing, John? I said, I'm making my own Xbox controller. Just seeing what it looks like. And they went, wow, that's really cool. And I was like, well, do you want to try? Do you want to make one for you? And I had them each do it. I had I'd let them take turns making it. So they designed their own, and the thing is, is I saved it, and then we had them made for real after it. So they ended up getting the controllers they designed. That's a good deception. That's like the surprise deception when you yeah. find out that somebody likes something, but they don't have no idea you're going to get it for them. That's like that's perfect. You know, so that, that was great. that was a win. Yeah. That was a it was a universal win right there. Yeah, and they got. I'm looking. I'm on the site now. They got some camo and this weird rainbow thing seems nice they're good controllers i mean you do have to like the the you know series x kind of style controller i think i don't know i again i don't remember if they updated them or not they might still be the 360 design but i I think they are compatible with the series x and s so what i'm looking at looks like the newer the new one it feels like it's the new one i don't i don't know though but um Oh no! Doesn't does the new one have? Oh no! It looks like a new one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it looks like I it's couldn't the say for sure, X but now. yeah. Uh, which is fine. Although I know you don't like them, so that might be a well, deal breaker. I mean, I always bring that up, but uh, so I wear that crown. But they're not that bad. Like it's not it's not terrible or anything. I just it's a preference thing. That's all. Yeah. my old baseball glove. I like better than the new one, but the new one might actually objectively be better. I'm willing to admit that. So. Uh, anyway, back to business. That's enough of yeah. fun family stories. Enough of that. Let's talk about business. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Activision Blizzard King buyout that Microsoft is attempting to do. And there are kind of two news stories about it this week. Um, the first one is that the, uh, they've hit a little bit of a snag in the UK. Uh, the UK is putting a temporary hold on it and they've given them a deadline to address concerns and said that if those concerns cannot be met, they are going to send it to a second level for review because they're basically, they they have fears that this is going to destabilize the competition uh, essentially. And so, you know, this is going to be kind of the norm for this. You're going to probably hear a lot of stories like this of, uh, countries reviewing it to see, you know, if this is good business practice. Is this putting, you know, Sony or other competitors at a at a significant disadvantage or doing damage to them as a business? Um, this just happens to be the one that it's hung up on at the moment. Uh, who knows? Like it, it's kind of impossible to tell uh, where this is going to ultimately go. Uh, but I I don't think that there is enough evidence in the things they're saying that makes me believe that microsoft can't say 
don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, they've even basically said that they think things like World of Warcraft is going to give them too much of an advantage. And it's like, well, Sony already doesn't have World of Warcraft. They're not gaining it by, or they're not losing it by Microsoft gaining control of it. You know, like it's, it's kind of a weird take, but, um, yeah. It's funny how, like, different countries can have a, a say in this. I guess that's how it works. I just assume it's where it's headquartered. It's a multinational, so. But I just assume it would, it would be the states where it would be relevant, not yeah. the UK. Because like, I, I, I sort of assume the dynamics like this, like a, a country they don't have a lot of stake in blocks something. They're like, okay, well, we just won't sell it here or something. You know, like. <laughs> we'll merge in the we'll merge in the countries that will allow us, and we'll remove our product from this marketplace or something. Like, I mean, I have a feeling this isn't going to. Just the, the overall skeptic about how serious the broad world takes video games looks at this and goes like, nah, "This is going to go through." Everyone's yeah. using Microsoft projects. Are they going to antagonize Microsoft over Call of Duty? You know, and they, they may just try and squeeze them for, you know, there's a bit of politicking going on with who knows what, like, but I, at the end of the day, I don't think this gets blocked anywhere. It's just, if there's a toll gate and there's something to leverage from it, probably everyone's going to, wants to take a shot, it's going to shoot their shot at it. But we'll see. I, to me, America seemed like the most relevant, like, <laughs> does the, was it the Federal Trade Commission? Yeah. Do they have a problem with it? They don't? Great. So everyone else, like, you know, do your worst. Kind of, That's sort of how I look at it. I don't know if they have, if the, you know, is Nigeria <laughs> going to block the merger? You know what I mean? Like, who cares? You know? Yeah, I don't know. Tanzania or uh, China. Like, China probably doesn't matter. Like, okay. Like, I, I just don't know. It seems very to me. It was very focused on the U.S. concern for the merger, but I, I, without knowing enough about business, I guess I can't really say anything. Too yeah, helpful. that's that's kind of where <laughs> I'm insightful. at. I, I don't <laughs> actually know what the um, what the restrictions are on something like that. You know, like I, I don't yeah. know if the U.K. turns around and goes, "No, we're not going to allow it." Like, what is the course of action? There, although I still I kind of remain in the I'm pretty sure it's going to go through, you know, it's not hard to see why it's a big deal. But when you hear Microsoft talk about it, like they seem to have a pretty clear plan for, you know, answering the issues and, and how they address it. So we're just going to have to see. I mean, the other side of this is um, Microsoft kind of let slip. Uh, that they have a plan to release the library of Activision Blizzard King games on Game Pass if the deal does go through. So that's another thing to be looking into and considering is that a lot of these uh, Blizzard games, Activision games, uh, if this merger goes through, are going to be headed to Game Pass. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine they... You know, in before even buying it, they had a plan for why this, you know, everything they were going to do. I don't see them spending crazy amounts of money without sort of a vision. I think um, the fact that it's, I, the, 
Which games? Because I think there were some game, specific games listed, like Overwatch, Diablo. Yeah, so Diablo and Overwatch will come to Game Pass next. Uh, and yeah, the news story I'm looking at also talks about Call of Duty for PlayStation, but that's not I wonder, really relevant to this. I don't know how finances work internally, whether revenue gets siphoned off, or if Microsoft will hand over revenue the same way they do external, like for game company developers that they don't own. If like all that finance works the same way to me it it feels like blizzard's always blizzard i think even call of duty to some extent so some activision properties have felt like prestige properties certainly that's why there's even talk of blocking the sale if these were if someone bought the company the or the embracer group no one even those purchases from square enix to embracer with all the like maybe they're getting reviewed it's not exactly making ripples like the this this merger right so to me, these are like prestige properties and like this may be incorrect thinking, but I just think like Game Pass is a good thing, but there's a little part of me that still views it as, you know, I used to get those 50 games on one CD for $5 and 80% of them were trash at like the PC gamer. There's a little part of me that views Game Pass that way. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. It's, it's a good thing you get to try a lot of different games. I just don't think you put your prestigious products in the game, the ones that you can charge the full box price for. I, I just, I, I, I don't see that as being a good move. Mind you, all these are old, old games. At least if it wasn't a Blizzard game, they would be considered old nonsense games, right? Don't you think? Well, and I think that's an interesting idea, too, is uh, are we talking about just, hey, we're going to be bringing the old titles to it? Or are we talking about Diablo 4 as a potential Game Pass game when it launches? Like, I can't imagine they do that, right? Because the merger is certainly not going to be done by the time Diablo 4 comes out, most likely. But... Could we live in a world where Diablo Four comes the Game Pass? I think I think the answer to that, I think I just think the answer to that is yes. And like everything is going on Game Pass that Microsoft runs. Like I don't, I haven't seen market. I don't think we've seen marketing that suggests there is a class of game that anything under Microsoft offers that is buy only because it's so prestigious. I I don't think that's a good. I don't think that's a good play. I think like. You know, I, there was a time where, like, you could go to Walmart and there'd be a very small piece, at least in Canada, there'd be a very small PC game section. And it'd be older games like Max Payne for $5. It wouldn't be, like, new releases. It'd just be, you know, guaranteed sellers at discount prices. Except for Blizzard games. The Warcraft Battle Chess, the Diablo Battle Chess is, like, full price, even though the game's been out, like, a decade. That was always Blizzard to me. It's It's a boutique uh, specifically, Blizzard is a boutique um, house. They charge, unlike the rest of the gaming industry, whose you know dollar values or, or retail prices go down quickly after launch or after big marketing pushes for Game of the Year editions or something. Um, shelf life is really short for price points. Blizzard was like, no, no, we're, and it still is to some extent. It's they barely go on sale. It's still full price for the game. And that was their play. They're having a problem with that is I don't think they're, I don't think they're moving product fast enough, like new releases for Activision, even though it's the studio that, you know, when it's done, 
I don't think I my my impression is that's why we're getting a lot of these microtransactions is someone's taking the bull by the reins and saying like monetize something. All right, you want to take a long time between releases, then you're going to monetize in this way because uh, you're not going to have a release a year. I think Blizzard. I think Microsoft makes it worse. I think because that's the model for most of the gaming industry. So I think going like yeah, all the Blizzard stuff going to be on Game Pass was well, like these guys don't put out games every year, dude. Like, I think you're losing value adding it to Game Pass and, and splitting that revenue. Unless, like, I know the Game Pass money hose is gigantic. So maybe it actually is. That's just where my question is. I don't even know. Is it better to keep it boutique or just schluff it in with everything else? And, you know. I mean, I don't even boutique. know if they have the reputation to be considered boutique anymore. Like, They're one solid launch away from, like, this is why I'm a Blizzard gamer. But I just think all those people that behind that, like the Morheims and the Metsons, are not there anymore. So maybe they aren't that company. And yeah. that's just, you know, that is the best direction. I, I mean, even if, you know, I've voiced plenty of concerns about Diablo 4, setting all of those aside for the moment. Let's say Diablo 4 comes out, sets the world on fire, like is literally the best version of Diablo we've ever seen, right? Like, in my mind, and this is my hurdle maybe to get over, but I don't think I'd be the only person that feels this way. As soon as you launch that cash shop, you're not looking at a boutique game anymore. Like, oh, yeah. That, I mean, like, that's I, a, that, we've had that debate a lot. I agree wholeheartedly. But I, I, my, my imagination, that's the compromise. No, we're not going to have a game out this year. Okay, well, what are you doing for revenue this year? Yeah. Then your only option is to monetize skin. You monetize a couple skins. It went well. Let's monetize more, and we're at where we're at now with everything. You know, that way they don't have to release stuff all. A studio that does this kind of monetization doesn't have to have a Call of Duty every year. Like any pick a mobile game, you know. Uh, so I th- I feel like that's the t- that's where the tug of war led all of this, yeah. and now Microsoft's waiting in. And I don't know what I don't know what their plans are. I think we're still waiting to hear what the development plan are they gonna go to Blizzard and be like, all right, I know you're a quality first company, but uh, you know, Microsoft needs to get paid. So you're doing a release every year. Is that a good thing? Like there there is a version of the world where it's done when it's done with the wrong people. <laughs> you know, like set cultures change, you know, or just like some, yeah. there's gotta always be someone that's like setting the pace, right? You give someone infinite amount of time to write their book. Maybe they spend 50 years and never get it done. Like, it's not bad to have someone to hold you accountable for your goals. And it's not bad to release something at some point. And this is, I have no idea what goes on inside of Blizzard. So I don't want to preach in, in those ways, but like, I do get that feeling that that's probably what, what outsiders, whether it's Activision or Microsoft, like look at the company and go like, you know, let's release something. So I don't know. Yeah. And it's hard to say which, you know, which I like. I mean, I've seen Activision run so many franchises that I, you know, I enjoyed some <laughs> of into the ground through annual releases, you know, and, and just oversaturation of the market for things. Uh, but I certainly also know how I feel about like, well, we're going to monetize the hell out of this game, 
And it's it's hard to say, okay, well, which of these devils do I do I prefer? You know, because uh, I don't think we're going to live in a world where people go, you know what, fine, we're just going to release a quality product. It'll have everything in there. You got to pay $100 for it. Like, I just don't think that's the direction we're going. I think we're we're pretty locked on the price of video games as what it is. And that monetization for a game to be a living game or, you know, something that sees continual support is either they are going to, you know, put one out every year or they're going to find a way to get more money from from certain people. And I I think ultimately it's better to do the... uh, it's better to do other ways to monetize. I just have lost so much faith in it being done well. Is there a BlizzCon this year? I mean, there again? was... I think it's going to be... I thought we be, skipped last year, no? There isn't like one this year. I don't think they're doing one this year. But I did think that... Didn't the new CEO say he wanted to bring BlizzCon back? I think so. So maybe next year. The last article is from 2021, reimagining BlizzCon and the BlizzCon and our latest plans. Very old. Yeah, I think that new CEO guy said he wanted to do it again. There was an Finding interest a to bring it for back. next year. Yeah, but yeah, so because this would be around the time of year, right when it would be. Yeah, end of end of October, start of November is BlizzCon time. I'm not expecting there to be BlizzCon, obviously, but I wonder if there's a showcase, you know, a direct or a BlizzCon line. Like, obviously, nothing about a BlizzCon line either. I just can't remember if 2022 is the dark year or 2021. I think 2021 they had a showcase, right? Yeah, I think they've done a. uh, I think they've done an online version of things every year, right? I don't know, man. It starts to fall apart. The pandemic, there, there a, blizzards stuff, all of that. Just all the years have merged. There was a skip a year announced somewhere. I think maybe last year they skipped doing a show and they were just like, yeah, but we are still going to announce some stuff. Oh, yeah. No, this was October 26th. We say step back and pause on planning the previously announced BlizzCon line event scheduled for early next year. That would be early 2022. So that's the last thing they did was they said we were going to do something early 2022. We decided not to. So I guess rather than do it in the fall, if they're making it like a January kind of February kind of thing. Yeah. So we may still be um, a couple months away. There may, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there's nothing around the corner, but like, you know, there's a circling of the wagons with all the bad press. Um, there are games coming out. Overwatch two is in the fall. And Diablo 4 sometime 2023, but it's a big studio, a lot of properties. You're almost wondering, is that it? So, I yeah, mean, I, just, I just, the problem is they're just a company that can't do themselves any favors. It feels like every time they step up into the spotlight, it doesn't go well. Yeah. And I guess there's Dragonflight, which is also a factor. Yeah. No, I know. It, it's, a, it's a matter of time. The Microsoft thing, people want to... Paint Microsoft is the good guy versus you know whether the narr- how accurate the narrative doesn't matter. Just the zeitgeist story is Bobby bad, Activision bad, Microsoft good. Yeah, it seems like people are willing to uh, believe that Microsoft will be a good influence on everything here. So fast forward, Microsoft owns the company. Then there's some big announcements, and all of a sudden Blizzard's looking good again. You know, Bobby I mean, maybe that pressure big... isn't on Blizzard if they're just another company in Microsoft's pocket. You know? Yeah. Will they break up ABK? Will they Will they break it up and make them fully independent studios? That'd be interesting to yeah. see too. 
that might that might be a big improvement uh, for just Blizzard and its output, not having those politics to deal with anymore. If the relationship with Microsoft is better than the relationship with Activision, but I guess we're still just waiting. So, in terms of the library hitting Game Pass, I mean, I think it's fine. I just it's a personal hang up. I just you know. But I will tell you, you, you kind of nailed it. Like, so I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to admit something. It's just between you and me. <laughs> nobody, nobody else is going to know this. Nobody else will hear it. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I am secretly extremely excited because I saw today that Disney Dreamlight Valley is coming to Game Pass. This is a game, Bo, that in a million years I would never buy. I would never Those are the games, pay yes, for it. The- those are the games you're happy to see on Game Pass. The ones you will buy, you're like, well, shit. Like, I want to I wanna buy it. <laughs> you know? So, right. okay. Yeah. So, this is a perfect example. So, what this is, for anybody that doesn't know, I, I, there's not a lot known about it, but it's basically Animal Crossing with Disney properties, right? Like, oh. it, you know, that's basically what it is. I don't know if the game's going to be good. It kind of looks like it could be awful. It kind of looks like it could be fine. But... This is where Game Pass's true strength is for me. It's a game that, unless it came out and just literally everybody, including people I wouldn't expect to hear it from, were telling me that it is the greatest thing that has ever been released, I would never buy this game. It being on Game Pass, I'm definitely going to try this game. And I think that that's part of the strength of the system. Like, kind of going to what you said about... You know, it's a demo disc or, you know, it's got a ton of games on there and maybe there's one or two you want, but then it's just got a bunch of filler. Like, it's nice to be able to play the filler sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind it in principle. I, I just, the reason I unsubbed was I just wasn't using it. I, I went a month, didn't play anything on it. So I'm like, well, why am I, what? it's nice, but I don't need it. I think it's also good for kids because kids have voracious appetites for trying new things. Like I used to rent a lot of games when I was young. So this, it's it's overall a positive thing. But they're like, you know, I like buying a thing and owning it. And like one of the concessions we gave up is like, yeah, we'll have a digital locker. But in a vacuum, I'd rather like own the shit. Like I don't love digital lock. It's very convenient and I've been convinced. But that's why I like Steam because... They have a longevity factor, you know. It's like my digital locker will last. Some well, and some we digital, have like my, seen, my origin locker. I never open. I hate that my stuff's on there. And we've like seen not, what happens on Steam if something gets pulled, right? Like, because that's the question: is what happens when a company goes, "We don't want you to sell this product anymore," and it has happened not often, but it's happened a couple times. And now we know what happens on Steam, at least. Like, it gets pulled from the store, and if you own it, you can still download it and play it. Yeah, there's a few games I have like that, and I'm I'm very happy that they still have it. But I think there was something something on the Apple Store that I don't have access to anymore. I can't remember what, because it was pulled. It was like a TV show or something that I bought back in the day that just is not on there and not available for download anymore. I mean, I I have a PS4 that if you go into the account... Like, there it is, PT. If you try to launch it, it won't launch, because I accidentally deleted the game uh, off the PS4, and they yeah. won't let you re-download it. It's, it's completely closed. So it's, it's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of arguments. Crimson Neon in the chat was like, you can buy games on Game Pass. It's like, yeah, it's true. It's fine. I just think there's a, there's a trust factor. Like, I've used 
Steam for a long time. There's a trust factor there. I would like to die with my Steam, <laughs> with my digital, you know, you know Bury when I'm in my 80s or 90s. Video games. When I'm 80s or 90s, I would like my library to still be available for me because uh, I purchased it. I mean, ideally, I would like to be able to just give it to someone before I pass on or put it in my will. Like, but a lot of companies put a lot of energy into it, but don't have long-term plans or commitment to be bigger than that. Or, or you know, I've seen we've seen examples like Epic's like super into being a store. Is that going to be true in ten years? They're into a lot of things. That's a reshuffle, a way to do something else. Like I just don't trust it as much. But you know, if you're fine with like you know buying a game for five years, basically renting it, like it's not a problem either, I guess. But like. Um, it's not dark thoughts. It's just that's why I like Steam. Like they've earned my trust. I don't trust the other ones as much, and not everyone feels that way or evaluates that way, and that's fine. But that's how I evaluate. That's why I like to buy them. Like I played The Ascent, which we'll talk about. That was on Game Pass. I don't know if it's still on Game Pass, but I was happier buying it um, on Steam. I was like, I'm not going to buy this. I'm not going to resub to Game Pass just to play this. Like I want the developers to have the money. I want to have it in my Steam library, and um, it also plays better on my PC. And I like I like Steam as an app. The Xbox app runs fine, but I hate it. You know, it's not. It's just not as cool as the cooler <laughs> app. So I, why would I do that? You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I did it not too not too long ago. Um, the uh, Game Pass has the new Dragon Age or whatever the newest Dragon Age was on it. Um, but it, it's been on there kind of off and on. I don't know if it's even on there right now, but, uh, I bought it. I bought it on steam because I was like, this is a game I know I want to own. I don't want to have to hope it's on game pass at the time I decide to play it. I want to own yeah. this game. And I think yeah. it's fine to, to make those decisions and, uh, to, you know, try and figure we have out both. how so that works. Not, yeah. yeah. I don't really feel like it should be one way or the other. It's just explaining a preference, right? That's what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thought I was gonna say, I was gonna say something else, but I feel like yeah, you know, you you wanting to me the be, for me the biggest value add is what you said with the Disney Animal Crossing. It's just like I don't think I'd ever buy this, but boy, what a mistake not to buy it. Now that I get to try it and I find it fun, maybe now I will buy it because yeah. I want to own it. And I, you know, I don't know. There's a feeling of ownership too that you can't replicate when. Something's on. I get. I guess here's the other aspect that I, troubles me about video streaming services, is that in my vision are only the movies that are on the service. There's a lot of movies that are great that are worth a rewatch that you want to be reminded of that are not on the service. So remembering they exist getting access to discover rediscovering them. Like when you bought a movie and you have it in your house, that's your library. It's never going anywhere. Right. Yeah. And this isn't me being an old man saying we should go back to movies, but on the service, all you're getting offered is what's on the service and it doesn't contain all movies. And I'm talking about going back to old movies. There's a lot of old movies that are worth a rewatch. I like to rewatch old good movies. I'm sure a lot of us do. You're only going to get offered what's on the service. Sometimes I'm scrolling through. I'm like, nothing here I want to watch. And I'm like, I'm only seeing 10% of movies on these services. Like, 
then I got to go to the internet and just like try Googling and find weird shit that is not a, a pull. So it's not on anyone's streaming service. Right. Right. And TV shows too. I, a good example is, um, there's a British show count Arthur strong, which is really funny. And I like it. Uh, it's not streaming anywhere. I can't even buy it on Apple. It was a TV show. Can't get it anywhere. You know, stuff like that. There might be actually really good stuff you can't find anywhere. There's a movie too I wanted to watch that isn't streaming anywhere. Oh yeah, um, the lead Viserys on uh, House of Dragon is in this Irish movie that looked kind of good. And I'm like, where's it streaming? Not streaming anywhere. Yeah. Like, I want to see that movie. How do I get? It? <laughs> I mean, that's how do I get? Because that's my follow up question immediately. Is you know, <laughs> all right, but you know, how do you find these? Regardless, because we don't live in an age of, uh, it's a similar problem to like, how do you discover new music in a world where nobody listens to the radio anymore, right? Like, you you land on, okay, I got to go off of what Spotify or Apple Music recommends. But like you said, that's not all music, you know, like, it's a weird system. Uh, we mm-hmm. We used to... Back in our day, you know, we used to go to the video store and, you know, you might discover something. And there was a a discoverability of things. Now we have more ways to learn about things, to learn about movies and music and TV shows we've never heard of. Um, But we have a very limited way of acquiring those to watch them. And it's it's tricky. But, I mean, you can make the same argument for a brick-and-mortar store, too. Like, who's to say they're going to have, you know, some obscure movie uh, that I you know. heard about from a friend at a, at a brick-and-mortar store, either. So, it's yeah, tricky. I think, I think the issue is just that there's a laziness that I know I have. Because when I'm looking for something to watch, I'm only browsing the apps. And I've got to, like, get disciplined and put effort into finding things outside the apps. Oh, I have bought things or streamed something for movies that I own physically. Yeah, I've done that. Oh, you bought? <laughs> bought? I don't know, but I, I have might. bought. I definitely have bought. I I know for a fact. Yeah, but it's DVD. Is it Blu-rays or DVD? Because DVDs are a lower quality mm. than than 1080p good streaming quality. The example I'm thinking of is a DVD. So maybe you can make a case for that. That's probably how I justified it to myself, honestly. But uh, is Jurassic Park? <laughs> I have I have Jurassic Park on DVD, and I bought it on I think like Amazon or something. So uh, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. I'm sure I can't think of an example, but I'm sure I've done something like that. I, I don't. I'm not on any high horse. I'm on a low horse. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) just one of them low horses Uh, Bo I don't know if you know this Halo Infinite is having some problems feels like it's been ages since that game came out and it turns out there's a lot of elements of that game that are still not out right now in fact the current season uh, or the new season has been delayed which means the current season is going to be going 10 months uh, without any updates The split-screen co-op that was planned for the game is now not going to happen at all. Uh, So you can still do online co-op. It's not that they're removing any any co-op, but they were planning split-screen. That's going away. And the forge, which is the, you know, kind of create a level, build stuff within the game, uh, has also been delayed. 
I just feel been delayed. Yeah. I feel like I have heard Why? nothing really great about Halo Infinite since its launch. Which is a yes. shame because it feels like a competent game. I played it. It was fun. It was good. But man, it feels like a lot of well, that isn't yeah. gonna work. That isn't gonna work. Is everyone feeling good about the ABK merger? Looking at how they're treating their most iconic video game property. Their most iconic. Halo is by far I think one of the biggest things Microsoft has in terms of brand recognition, video game IP. And it's kind of a it's kind of a semi fail, it seems like. I think the game was good, but not blizzard good you know <laughs> you know it's like it's you know if you just take it on the campaign it has a multiplayer that works the ui and menus are nice it, it works on a lot of platform there's no reason to complain in in one sense right but people have high expectations it's a big game they promised a lot everything here i assume was promised yeah i think so. that's where a lot of the frustrations come in is i mean i know for me i played it uh, i think the game's good um it's the most fun i've had playing halo since Reach? I'm trying to remember what order everything came out. Uh, yeah, probably since Reach, it was the most fun I've had with a Halo game. But, uh, you know, for a lot of people, Halo is doing a co-op campaign with a friend. And that was not in at launch. Which, that's I, a weird decision. The split screen, given that it's history with it, that should be in at launch. Um, so that's to me, it just seems... That seems a little inexcusable, but less important. But the four, like when they delay player tools, I'm like, let people break the, just release it as shit. Like what? <laughs> why? Why are you trying to curate? You know, like you should see the mods for Skyrim. Like who cares? Let them make like dumb shit. Like this is, this is corporate people tripping all over themselves to be like, let's give you creativity, but let's make sure that creativity is within a specific limited scope. Awesome. You know, like, I, it's the same thing that I feel like, you know, that Metaverse is going to head down, which is not going to be as openly creative, but VR chat is awesome because it's, you know, they, they try to control it and fail, and that's what makes it great. And I just feel like this Forge thing, I'm like, unless it's so poorly, I'm assuming they use tools to make their game. So just release the tools. Like, make it, if it doesn't work, fans, if they're really into your product, will make it work for you. Uh, just again, look at Bethesda. Stuff. They literally, there's literally an unofficial Skyrim patch to fix bugs for Skyrim <laughs> released by the community to make the game, you know, playable according to Pure. I think it's purest of that game. But like, you know, this is, yeah. I mean, this is sucking. This is what sucking looks like. You know, you want to paint Microsoft with a good brush. They get a lot of wins in certain cases, but this is a big suck. Well, yeah, and chat says it too. Anyone remember the Master Chief collection? I think, honestly, to me, that goes with Bo's point. Look at how long it took them to fix the Master Chief collection. Just put it out. If it needs a patch, patch it. But just put put the damn thing out. Is like, it just a retexture remaster? There's nothing significant going on about... Well, changing. with the Master Chief collection? Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, they did a lot of work to it. I mean... They, okay, like it is a re... But it, yeah, I mean, okay. it's not... It is the old games, though. It's one of yeah. those remasters where you can hit a button and you can see the game how it used to look. 
Yeah, I, that's such a novelty thing. <laughs> it is. I, I appreciate it. Like, it's a great target to try and hit. But, you know, they did it for Diablo 2. I just feel like just release both the original and your reimagined one and make the reimagined one kind of better in the way. Like, I don't know. I don't know why you tie yourself to such a weird. That's such a weird nerd um, benefit. I like. I I I want it to be in the spirit of the old game as much as possible. Sure, if that's what you're selling, but like, don't literally tie yourself to the old as engine. Like, if you need to make some key, it just feels like you're you're shutting the door on opportunities when you. It's in my mind when I hear that, you know. But I, I think for the I think for the new Halo Infinite business, you know, I think it is a case of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Clearly the game was not ready to come out in its full and intended scope as what they talked about for that launch date. I mean, it didn't make the launch of the Series X and S already. It was already mm-hmm. delayed past that. And then on top of that, when it came out, it came out missing a lot of features that are still not in the game, uh, some of which just won't be coming to the game. And I think that that is evidence that, you know, it wasn't really ready. They decided to kind of release it piecemeal. And I think that that is a case of this fallout is what you earn by putting your game out like that. I And I, I think you just kind of have to take the hit. Uh you know, again, I played that campaign. That game was good. Um, so it's not like they made a shitty game. But I think that they have just... Uh, they've made some weird decisions with the multiplayer and with the way they've released content following it. Um, you don't hear a lot of really big good news coming out of the Halo Infinite community, unfortunately. Hmm. Oh well, tough luck, you guys. M- moving on to the next. I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point they're, you know, if sales have dried up, they're moving on to the next thing. I wouldn't. I would. It's a shame too because they DOA. they very clearly wanted Halo Infinite to be like the multiplayer platform for Halo, right? Like this isn't going to be something we redesign for every game coming out. If we do a bunch of sequels, like we want Halo Infinite to be the game that people play, mm-hmm. and I feel like. They never got out from under the shadow of all the complaints of that initial season that they had. And I'm sure they had it. I'm sure it sounded really exciting in the boardroom meeting. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, you can just picture it, like people hyping up something that doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Like they don't make the thing first and then be like, we got a winner. They're like, we're going to have a winner. Uh, it's the same thing as when people decide we're going to be the next big esport. I mean, I'm jaded. Remember, Anthem, there was no game when they released that trailer. <laughs> but you watch it, you're like, this is going to be the best game ever made. Holy shit. You know, like, it's like, it's shocker. Shocker that in the boardroom, they're going to make the best game ever. Unheard of. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. Microsoft's so awesome. They're going to definitely help Blizzard out a lot. We'll see. <laughs> um <laughs> Hey, Bo, what if I told you that uh, this, this news story changed originally it was the new assassin's creed game leaked now it has just been confirmed uh ubisoft decided to go with the fine you got us uh mentality um and they have confirmed that the next assassin's creed game is going to be called mirage and we are going to get more details on september 10th 
Uh, but it looks like it is going to... Uh, I've heard rumors that it's going to be set in uh, Iraq and that it's going to feature, if not prominently around, but stories like uh, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Um, it's going to be a spinoff of Valhalla, is what I have also heard. And I have also heard the rumor, and some of these obviously proved to be true, because they were all saying that it's going to be called Assassin's Creed Mirage, which it is, um, that it might even be a bit of a return to form for Assassin's Creed, getting a little bit back more into the proper assassins business and uh, being a little more stealth focused than other games does that appeal to you you were big on valhalla but that was because of the viking business yeah i i they could have just taken out the assassin's creed part and just made valhalla and it was the the tremendous job of the viking experience like I, i like it and i regret that i haven't played it more but um and i it's not that i hate the assassin's creed stuff it's just not in a world full of games, it's not the one that calls to me on the game shelf. You know, I'm not like the same way Diablo is like, well, I will fixate and on this property. So, you know, it sounds exciting. sounds like, you know, cool. A nice milieu. I thought they already did a deserty one with Odyssey. So it's back to like sunshines and deserts. But Scott I'm telling you, they're all trying to win the, uh, Scott over these days now. Like, everybody's just like, let's put sand in the game. Scott will like it by default. I think it's... I I, I have a secret tinfoil hat theory. I know we don't have the sound for it, but... uh, (laughs) I think Desert Meteors have become popular. Yes, because of Fury Road, I'm sure, has influenced it. But because those Meteors have less... um, NPCs and stuff in it. You can kind of make these grand things and make it full of empty. Yeah. And somehow, somehow in my mind, that's saving on resources because um, I'll tell you, we're going to talk about the ascent later. I don't want to talk too much about it, but one of the things I'm impressed by with that game is how many just pedestrians there are. You shoot so many innocent people because they're everywhere, but you're like, it's a cyberpunk sprawl. This is not going to feel like a sprawl if all there is is bad guys to shoot, right? I'm like, I appreciate the effort. And one thing I've noticed in a lot of RPGs and stuff like that is not all, there's like, it's a town full of thousands, but yet you just see like five people. Like Witcher 3 was pretty good about populating its cities. Um, but you know, when you, any of the, get playing Guild Wars or Final Fantasy 14 or WoW, you know, it's this big city Stormwind and there's like 12 citizens in the town. And I feel like to get more and more realistic, one of the ways they have to do it is to populate more. That Matrix demo was kind of cool because it did feel really populated. Um, but I think a lot of games skimp on those details by going like, we're in a desert or an icy, desolate place. There's nobody <laughs> around. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, mean, I don't think Assassin's Creed is not bad in that way. I think they have a lot of NPCs in the town. So yeah, they I, populate it pretty good. I, so. I'm with you, though. There is a part of me that gets shitty on my I don't like desert settings that just goes, eh, it's just a way to be lazy. But that always feels like just me. Projecting. Again, tinfoil hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's tinfoil hat, right? A bunch I'm of like, artists and developers are like, hey, we just like it. We all like Tatooine, right? And I'm like, I don't. I don't yeah. like Tatooine. We don't have to pay as many extras when we film our Star Wars show. Yeah, you know, set, set it out in the desert. Put them all in robes. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it. I'm kind of with you. Like the way I judge Assassin's Creed games have nothing to do with Assassin's Creed for me, because if I look at the ones I like, you know, like I liked Odyssey, but that could have just been a 
Greek setting, Greek myth kind of business, and it would have been, I would have liked it equally. There wasn't anything about it that was, this is Assassin's Creed, and this is why you're going to like it. And before Odyssey, it was Black Flag, which was pirates, you know? So, like, I like games about pirates. I like games set in Greek mythology. And really, like, the amount of times where I've liked an Assassin's Creed game because it's Assassin's Creed, I think, was maybe the first one because I'd never played a game like that, and then never again. Um, I've never cared about it, the Assassin's Creed part of Assassin's Creed. Mm. So I'm kind of in the same boat with this one. Like, I hear it. It's going back to the desert. You've already kind of got me going, not not particularly interested, although, you know, maybe going back to more stealthy and being an assassin is a cool fantasy that would be fun. You know, like the Vikings, I did like Valhalla. Um, it, I like that his, fantasy They're basically as well. like historic action RPGs. Yeah. Where the gods are real so that they can have something other than humans as enemies is kind of yeah. how I view the series. Because if they were just more real historic, it would just be humans, right? Maybe some yeah. bears or something. But then they're like, no, no, gods can be kind of real, so then we can have neat monsters from their mythologies. Which is fine. I think it's actually a good lane for the series. I think like it's been doing well for them. They made three, and I thought Valhalla was great. Mirage sounds to me, have they done one for Egyptian? Uh, pan- the Egyptian pantheon. Is that yeah, in Odyssey? I, think, I thought that was what Odyssey was, but I don't know. I didn't. Odyssey stri- strikes me as the Greek... Maybe Roman or no? Odyssey was Greek. Um, origins was uh, was oh Egyptian. origins. Yeah, it was Egyptian. Okay, yeah. so that's the Egyptian origins. Gotcha. So yeah, I don't know what Mirage would be. I feel like there are some pantheons that are safer than others to <laughs> have a good time in. Uh, I know in Islam they don't take depictions of certain gods very well, so I don't think any company is going going to go to go down a road of making one that leans into you know the prophet muhammad and, and such <laughs> you know or christianity for that matter right i think yeah, no. the extent that they've I gone mean, you can kind of do you can kind of do a romanticized version of it i think as soon as it starts to get literal it starts to even christianity wouldn't be safe right you're like okay our religious side is there's angels so then you got to slay angels and slay devil demons and next thing you know your game's part diablo part well, it's all Diablo. Like, I, I just don't. I just don't think that. I don't think they go there personally. I think it'd probably be awesome if they went there, but I just don't think they go there. Um, so it seems it's more in the safe polytheist. So I'm just trying to think of what other pantheon. Well, they never really go too far into it, right? Like it's not necessarily that it's gods. It's not like God of War where you're going to just slay the pantheon, but it is supernatural things will occur, right? Like probably Valhalla is probably the closest they got to that because you know you're dealing directly with like Odin and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. Odyssey was more just like, yeah, the Minotaur's real. Yeah, Medusa's real. Like, Greek myth was real in that world. Uh, It was less about, you know, the Greek gods themselves. They got talked about, but it was more the mythology was real. Said 40 Thieves, so most likely the legend of tales of Alibaba. Yeah, I guess I'd, I'm not really familiar with the a lot of Middle Eastern mythology and stuff, so we'll see uh, about that. Yep. Yeah. 
We'll I see. Know. I don't know. Okay. Well, great. Mirage. But bring it, I guess, more more Assassin's Creed. Right? <laughs> I, I'm curious if they stick with the um, play style of Odyssey, Valhalla, and Origins. Or if it's... Are we at the point where they decide to reshuffle it? I kind of doubt it. If they're not going to put a number on it, and they're not going to make it like a true big Assassin's Creed title. I don't think you try to reinvent the wheel for it, but I could be wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they usually do that with, like, uh, Far Cry. You know, you got, like, they do Far Cry 3, but then they do Blood Dragon. And then they do Far Cry 4, but then they do Primal. You know, they right. there's, like, these in-between titles where it's, like, we took the same map, and we took the same, or roughly the same mechanics. We we shifted some things up, and here's another game. Kind of your like waypoint between big titles. Um, I don't know if that's what Mirage is. I mean, when you tell me that it's going to be starring a character from Valhalla, and that it's a spinoff of it, I that to me kind of says like it's an in between title, less its own, less its own thing. So I don't imagine they're going to release it and be like, hey, look, this is we're changing the way you, you fight. We're changing the way the game works. But I could be wrong because uh, there was also that rumor that it's going to be going kind of going back to stealth and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll find out soon. September 10th, it says here. Yeah. Uh, Bo, I want to take a moment. Uh, to have you because you mentioned it and so i'm jumping around in the notes just so you know um i want you to tell me why i should be excited for the cyberpunk tv show oh (laughs) so do you do you like the anime uh gurren lagan i haven't watched it you haven't watched that one? No. Oh my god, it's it's kind of a classic. Okay, it's Kyle and Chris that I know watch it because we do. You gotta believe and uh, don't believe. You know the hero, the older hero to the younger protagonist is like, don't believe in yourself. Believe in the me that believes in you. Like, uh-huh. there's all these like you know iconic things, and there's a few Yoko and Kamina are like pretty iconic. Like you'll see their um, Twitter profiles or YouTube profiles have that these characters the profile pics. A lot of Yoko cosplay. You know, bikini wearing anime girl with the big boobies. It's she's pretty classic and iconic. So that's an iconic one. Have you seen Kill a Kill? No. All right. So the things these have in common, I, there's I haven't. What's there, there's a few other anime they've done recently I haven't seen, but it's all from the same studio. It's called okay. Studio Trigger. So they have pretty iconic and um, style, which is bombastic. Like it's just they kind of just go for crazy. Um, uh, unrealistic, like absurd, but emphasize things. Like at one point, there's a student who stole a Goku uniform. He's running down these infinite stairwells away from the classroom. And uh, Ira is like just jumping down. He's like, ah, all crazy. And then when he catches up to him, he'll like turn really big. Like he's not really turning big, but it's just emphasized in a cartoon way. No. So it's really exaggerated. And they use rainbows and crazy colors, and their plot lines are always bonkers. So, Gurren Lagann's a mecha show, right? So, you know, these guys have mechas they get into, and they fight evil mechas called gunmen. But by the end of the show, they have a mecha. You know how, like, Transformers have um, Constructicons and things that build into larger robots? Sure. So, as the show progresses, they build into larger and larger robots. And by the end, the two robots facing each other are the size of like 
they're bigger than universes, and they're picking up universes and throwing them at each other. Like it is so. It, the show gets so ridiculous, and they always have these crazy twists, and they kill characters in the show. So there's some Game of Thrones aspect where it's like it's a fun, lighthearted show, and then people die. And their series are usually limited to 10 to 24 episodes, so you're not watching a 1,000 episodes. It's like this contained story. And there's just so much to love about them. The only thing is they run out of budget, so a lot of their fr- – they'll ha- go from, like, really great they'll – re- they'll, their shows will go from really great frames to, like, really crappy ones, but back to really good ones. Like, it's overall good, right. but it's just – it's a part of their style. But I think they had enough money, I'm hoping, to actually see this one through perfectly from beginning to end. Um and their soundtracks are amazing. They have like incredible soundtracks and incredible voice acting. Like these these I if you I envy you that you have not watched Kill a Kill or Ter- uh, Gurren Lagann yet. These are like my two favorite animes. So the studio behind it is Aces and there's a lot of people Promare is a movie. Yeah, I see. I haven't seen some of the recent stuff. I got there's some stuff I got to get catch up on. I wait for it to hit like something like a streaming platform I can watch it on. Yeah. I am a huge fan of their 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 style. Uh, their anime is pretty much anime to me. Like it's what I like about it. So, and that's I'm pretty sure that's why CD Projekt Red selected them as the studio. That's a like it's we're not just doing an anime. Trigger is doing our anime as a selling point. And did you see the Not Safe for Work trailer? I didn't. I wanted you to convince me. To to because oh, I'm just, I'm if, too I'm too burned by cyberpunk. I didn't give it the time of day, but I so knew you it's were a excited, very quick so frame. But this on. trailer is literally not safe for work. There's a few. There's a section where it's like it's pure Japanese porn where they have like a girl riding the guy in a POV position, and then two girls like licking nipples. Sorry, kids, you shouldn't be listening to this show. <laughs> and there's cum like firing out. Like it, it's literally not safe for work. Okay. Like it it it, it is. And then the rest of it's mostly violence, including someone's head getting crushed in and brains going everywhere and eyeballs. And there's, um, it's just, it leans into the ultra violence of cyberpunk. Okay. So it is, um, when Scott's away, Sector 7. No, I'd say no, that was Scott. This here has too. nothing That's, to do with this. This is part for the course. This exact yeah. same story you know, you, was. And I know, you know, I know you know that. Um, it is hyper violent and. It's done to Beethoven's, I think, fifth or no, Ode to Joy. It's dun, 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 but it's like a techno Ode to Joy. You got to watch this thing. The trailer might be the best thing out of all of this, actually. Like, it, I could watch the show and be like, yeah, it wasn't as good as the trailer. This NS, not safe for work trailer, is aces. Um, right. I, I don't know if that's going to convince you because I know we have different tastes. Well, you've at the very uh, least convinced me to watch the trailer. I won't tell you what word you had me at, but uh, there was a part where you got me on the train. (laughs) Good. There's there's a good chance um, this will have this will be overall a better product than the game itself. And I really like Cyberpunk 2077, but I am so stoked for this anime. And it was like announced two years ago. Like they've really spent a long time on this. It feels like, and now it's finally here. So there's a bit of like, oh, the wait is finally over, and. Anyway, yeah, hyper-violent anime. Sign me up, man. And I hope they release all ten episodes at the same time, because I don't want to have to wait weeks. I'm sick of getting Disneyed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sick of getting Disneyed by everyone. Like, just give me all ten episodes. Shoot that into my veins. I am so glad I decided to put this in here. 
Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I wasn't going to bring it up because it's not gaming. It is gaming. It's Cyberpunk 2077. It was a very popular, uh, very highly anticipated game. Um, I just, yeah, I just know that, like, trigger stuff's not for everyone because there's, like, there's definitely... Okay, so let me tell you about Kill a Kill. There's a faction called Nudist Beach in there. Okay. And the reason is, and I don't want to give away the whole plot, but clothes are really important to the plot. reason is they're nude. Yeah, clothes are really important to the plot, and these are a faction of people who don't wear clothes as part of how it relates. So their battle uniform is they get in these robots, but they don't stand upright. They're lying down. So they have robot legs, and it holds them as they lie horizontally, and they're not wearing clothes. So when it shows their butt hanging out of the back, like of a deep, like it's like they show, they, like they blur it out, but they're literally hanging with their balls and dick out and just, you know, but it, it's blocked out. Like this is the kind, it's like a perverted level of humor where if you're watching this and someone walks in and you have to explain, it's going to be a challenge. <laughs> like, oh no, this is the show and this is good because... And, and I guarantee there's a type of person, and there's a lot of them out there. You know, I almost feel like having to justify why I like Kill a Kill to someone who's just seen some clips of it, they're gonna think I'm like, you know, the old perverted guy. Like no. that's, but it is a work of art. It is genius and it is brilliant. It is the best. Like it is so good. And um, yeah, I'm a trigger head. I guess is uh, the all deal. right. So they made this for you specifically. I'm a fan. Like, if, as much as I can be a fan of anything, Trigger is my favorite animation studio, I guess, uh, for, for Japanese cartoons. I love it. Right. Yeah. I'll have to nudist, check it out. Oh, Matthew Mercer uh, voiced the nudist beach leader. That could be. It's been a little while. But, yeah, like, they've got really good voice acting. Like, these are these are good shows, but they're hard to... Ex- ter- Gurren Logon not so much, although it has some st- stuff like that. But Kill a Kill... I can. I haven't had to do it, but just having to explain it to people who, I could see this being a, the people thinking things about me if they just know. Like, here's the trailer. It's like you watch that. I'm like, okay, they're gonna think I'm like gross or something. Yeah, but it's good. It's so good. <laughs> the right. weird costumes in it have a science fiction explanation that is stupid, but works and works well. Is all I can say without spoiling it. You know, for what it is. It just yeah. Chef's kiss. Anyways, um, yeah, you should watch this though. This this doesn't look crazy like those other shows. It still looks like cyberpunk. So I think it's just going to be stupid, violent, and and have crazy ass characters. All right, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to give it a better chance than I gave the game. I think. I wonder what it's going to be like to watch the anime first and play the game because then you're going to be like, this game's super tame. I know <laughs> that's going to be the problem. Is like, I I feel like. So this is why I didn't watch the trailer, because I was like, well, this is either going to make me want to play the game more, or I'm going to go, I'm going to watch it, and if it's good, I'm going to be like, why couldn't the game be this good? Like, what are they doing? Um, I, I have a feeling, based on what you've told me about it, that that's where I'm going to land. I'm going to be more on the on the lane of, why isn't the game more like this? Yeah, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's... the. It's it's just it's too it's too good. This is too good. It's too perfect. I just I, everyone needs to know the pleasure of Mako Monkan Shuk. I think say so, I can't can't say the last name 
quite well, but for a time she was the president of the Fight Club at uh, the Ryuko Institute or whatever. They, no, not Ryuko. I forget everything that's called. I'm gonna my new credit card's gonna get taken I'm away. I'm sure people are writing it down. The Academy, Honshu Academy, I think it's called. But anyways, it's oh, it's so good. Yeah, just yeah. Anyways. We need to stop talking about it. I'll talk about Kill All Kill. Right. And, we'll talk about something else. Here's something, hours, so here's something tame. Move on. Although, uh, it depends on how into technology you are, Bo. What if I told you that you could be an owner of a monitor that can bend? Uh, I'm open. I'm open to the notion. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So, uh, LG and Corsair have unveiled bendable monitors, uh, that allow you to have, you know, you've seen the curved displays. I had one for a while. I don't, but right now I got two flat monitors, but, uh, you've seen curved displays before. They are creating a monitor that can do both. And if you want it curved, you adjust it and your monitor literally bends into a curve before your very eyes and then it goes back to being a flat monitor, uh, if you so choose. I remember like a decade ago hearing about university, maybe even two decades ago, a university um, doing research on digital paper. Like, would we be able to have a monitor? You know, like you see like in cyberpunk games and stuff where it's, it's, a, it's like a loose leaf LCD screen where the people chuck it when they're done, but it's all animated and stuff. But they were working on technology like that. So I feel like this sort of relates like they're taking something like that, like a bendable something or other, and trying to make it out of product. I just don't know what the benefit is of a curve. You know, so obviously the, the curve is supposed to be immersion, right? Like it's supposed to bend into your peripheral, give yeah. you a more this it's critical is how to you VR. See the the it, world yeah, kind of view. I see the benefit. It's critical to VR. I just don't see. And that might be the context in which I'm taking it. I'm like, why are we wasting LCD screens on non-VR immersion? Like, you know uh -huh. what I mean? It's like it's like effort in like, it's like you built a car. So why are we improving the efficiency of wagons? You know, like it's sort of how it, like wagons are still great. We're still using them. We're transitioning, but I don't think we need like a wagon with um, headlights on or <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this makes any sense, but um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I just, you know, it's like, what is, what is like curving? What's there to get excited about with curving? This is actually, it's funny because while I am a hundred percent not with you on the headlights on a wagon analogy, <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ. But, um, <laughs> I am. I think you're right. With everyone I know, kind of has an opinion on whether a monitor being bent is good or not. And so, to me, you either yeah. want a bent meant monitor, or you yeah. don't want a bent monitor. Like I don't know anybody that's like, well, for this game, I would really like it bent. But when I'm not playing this game, I think it should be flat. Like I, it just seems like such a weird. I'll I'd tell have you to what try I, it. What I need. I need a monitor that can go from ultra-wide to a standard resolution. Yeah, how about that, that that's Samsung? That's useful to me. Because there are, there are games that don't use it that, yeah. you know, you want to be able to shrink it down and be like, all right, it's not ultra-wide now. Now it's fine. Um, 
Yeah, like there are other problems to solve. You know, this is not one that feels like anyone asked for. It's like, I'm really enjoying this movie, but I would enjoy it more if the screen was curved. <laughs> You're like, I think it's fine both ways, right? I have to try it, maybe sensor- sensorily, once I am have the curve. I go, holy, why am I not watching movies like this? Like, that's possible. Yeah. Because I haven't tried it. So I don't know. I liked it. Every time I, I ha- I've had a curved TV, I've had a curved monitor, and I liked them both. Not to such a degree where I'm like, that will be the only thing I ever get. Obviously, I got two flat monitors right now, but um, I thought it was nice. But I just, I don't know. I don't know any reason why somebody would be sitting there going, <laughs> The you know what? Reason. I'm in a curved mood today. Let's curve this monitor, especially because I'm not, you know, I obviously, if you've listened to this show, you know, I'm late to adopting new technologies. So the idea that my monitor is going to bend and that's going to be okay is already scary to me. So the idea of doing it on a whim, just like, okay, well, let me just let my monitor bend a little bit here. That'll be fine. Um, it freaks me out. I don't understand the, it. The one place where I can see a definite use for it is for all the poor souls that sit in the front row at movie theaters. Like, cause you have to look straight up at the screen cause you're sitting right in the front row. So if you can bend it this way, <laughs> that wanna, would help them see it bend better it towards you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does it bend this way? Cause like that would be I really know, useful maybe. in movie theaters. Yeah. You know, um, I used to have to do that. Before stadium seating, that was the only place I could sit because I was such a short kid. I mean, I still am short, but like I was such a short kid. That and to they didn't see have the recliners. Movies, yeah, I had to go sit in the very front. It was the only way to guarantee that Ooh. nobody would sit in front of me and I could see and, the screen. And, and, the, and then there's no recliners in those days. I watched Infinity War like completely vertical. I was in the front row. I had to see it the first day. It was the only ticket left. And thankfully, it was at a VIP thing. I was completely vertical. And the weird thing is, I was sitting alone. I went by myself. There was a couple next to me, and they were also vertical. So I felt like I was, like, in bed with them while they were <laughs> snuggling. and You know, like a third yeah. wheel in bed and camping, and the couple are making out. And you're kind of like, I'm, I guess I'm here. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and I'm just like, can you stop being cuddly? We're trying to watch Infinity War. Although Infinity War was really good, so I, I don't think I was that distracted. But it felt weird, right? And I was vertical in the chair. Like, I had to recline back so much. A bent screen would have saved me from this awkwardness. I yeah, think. yeah. I was pretty, like, I don't remember seeing Infinity War in theaters. I know I did. Uh, but Endgame was a case of, like, the theater was very full. I think I was in, like, the second or third row down in the bottom looking straight up. <laughs> it wasn't awkward because people wanted to cuddle. Endgame was awkward because it's the first time I've ever been in a movie theater where the bulk of the audience was crying. And, like, <laughs> really? that was a really weird moment for me because it's just weirdly quiet and you just hear sniffles all around you. Because you think about it, like... Uh, and I don't know for most people, I'm sure a lot of people go to a lot of different types of movies, but usually if I go to a movie, I'm going to watch a movie that's designed for a theater, something that's going to be mm. a big spectacle showpiece. I'm not going to go watch some very like thoughtful, deep, emotionally resonant movie in theaters. I would rather watch that at home. And so I, I just don't go see those types of movies in theaters, but Endgame was this weird thing where it gets 
strangely sad at the very end, especially for people that are invested that would be there on, say, an opening night. And you got a a whole theater of nerds friggin' bawling their eyes out at at the theater. And it was weird. It just got eerily quiet with a bunch of sniffling and sobbing. And then, like spatterings throughout the theater of people that could not hold it in that were absolutely wailing. So <laughs> it was, uh, did you not see Titanic in the theaters? I did see Titanic in the theaters. Nobody There's cried. Weird. There's crying when I saw it. So, I didn't, but, I, I didn't really want to. I, didn't I really guess that, that was Titanic. also for the time. That was also a see in the theater. Cause you won't believe we've recreated the Titanic. I kind of freaked out in Titanic for a dumb reason. So I I had a piece of gum in my mouth when I start when I went into t- into Titanic, and I I've never really liked the idea of swallowing gum if you don't want to, you know, when you're done with it. And I don't like the idea of sticking it on seats and stuff. I don't, I don't think it's good to swallow uh, gum. No, you're not supposed great. to. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, my point is, I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't want to mm. leave the theater. I didn't want to stick it on a chair and I didn't want to swallow it. So I just kept chewing on this gum and it dissolved into liquid Hmm. in my mouth. And I, it was, I've never experienced it before. It just all of a sudden turned into, it, it was like liquid with like, it felt like sand, gum sand, like little tiny pinpoints of texture that, uh, were in my mouth and it was extremely gross. unnerving and gross and weird. That's gross. And uh, distracted have that from problem? the end of this mo- of the end of that movie. Do you still have that problem with gum? What? Not wanting to swallow it or stick it on stuff? Well, not having a plan if you don't have somewhere to stick it. And no, to I have. It out. I have a plan. I also don't do gum that much anymore. Yeah. See, I started saving the wrappers. So if you, if you have the package and you save the wrappers, you can put it back in the wrapper, and that way you can put it in your pocket yeah. or something, so you can throw it out. So I just wanted to be helpful in case you didn't have that. No, no, no. That's yeah. That's well known. <laughs> me, me at uh, whenever Titanic came out, age was not that clever. This is definitely an old person conversation. Uh, yeah. Gum. What do you do with your gum? What do you do with your gum? <laughs> do kids even have, chew gum anymore? Have, what is gum? Is I have gum? a napkin in my purse. I can put it in a napkin. That way, it won't stick to my wallet. Like. Gum basically makes its entire business from like middle schooler and high schoolers, right? Mm, as a smoker, I've had gum to you know if I have meetings oh, or something. Okay. That's you, have a, a you, have, point. you have a butt, and no time to brush. Although I brushed at work before, I don't love doing that, but um, you might pop a gum in and freshen up that breath. Okay. I just don't know who it's for once you're past and, the, like, I'm an awkward if teen. If you're on a date, date. Yeah. It's, a, it's a pro date move where you're like, when I left the house at the start, breath was good, but we had a taco salad. I had a beer, maybe. Making out seems to be on the table, potentially. Right. Yeah. Feeling good. Better go chew on some gum. That's a, it's a possibility. I think I've done that before. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I've never been a th- mouth spray guy. <laughs> I, I used I, to do the mouth spray, the the banaca or whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Who does the mouth spray but misses their mouth? Who's, As in Dumb guy? and Dumber, Jim Carrey. Oh, that's Dumb. Yeah, Jim. Okay. Go off to the side. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought it was Borat for a little while, but no, I think he <laughs> he wouldn't miss the mouth. It's not his kind of comedy. No. Yeah. 
All right. Well, yeah. uh, this. Uh, so one thing I did want to ask you based on this, not so much about bendable monitors, but obviously people like are getting very. There's so many niche products for gaming, right? Especially PC gaming, but I think in general. Do you have anything you are actually precious about as far as gaming where you're like, I have to have this? Like, I'll give you an example, might inspire one for you. So, I have bought a ton of gaming mice and I have mm-hmm. returned a ton of gaming mice. I have only truly ever been happy with one particular gaming mouse. And that's the Logitech G502, 503. Hold on, let me see. It's got to say it on here. 502 is my favorite gaming mouse. I've tried to replace it. I've had multiple versions of it. Um, They just came out with a new one, which I'm probably going to get. I am weirdly precious about my mouse. And that's like Hmm. the one thing that I'm like, no, I, I need a good gaming I, re- I, I, I respect that because i like good like i don't have a specific product that, I'm, that i must have but i hate crap peripherals and that you know the non-nerds in my life do not understand how i go from being very pleasant to very testy <laughs> when there's shit peripherals on a computer yeah and i'm like this is a shit monitor this is a shit mouse what do you expect like you know and a lot of workplaces that aren't in tech but require computers We'll buy whatever. And and I hate it. And the other thing is I hate products that are considered good because they're slick. Like Surface is a good example, but they're actually poor performant PCs. Yeah. Yeah, I hate them too. But I'm not precious about a product in the way that you are, but I understand it and respect it, I think. Yeah. If you, if you, you know, same way. I guess the one thing I'm precious about is my damn my damn controller. <laughs> I like the old Xbox controller. That's the new ones, Microsoft. Before they but, ruined it. But um, I think I'm, I'm being more jokey about that than anything. I think the new Xbox controllers are okay. Like, I can play with them just fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I respect it and I get it. Because I don't like crap peripherals as a gamer. I like ones that are smooth and responsive and have good buttons. Yeah. Oh, do bad buttons piss me off? Uh, you know, when it clicks or sticks, doesn't work quite right, or is just not in a good spot on the mouse. The one thing I miss about my mouse is the World of Warcraft mice used to have a place for your pinky and thumb like a rest yeah like the branded old ones when they were pretty high quality and i don't do that anymore and i kind of miss that i liked having the the twin finger rests on the mouse Did yeah where mouse it kind of it? feels wider so it has it i'll show you uh like it a has pad, it like a it pad. has it on the on the thumb like you can see it's on yeah. the thumb there it's a very small one though yeah uh so that one's there but there's nothing on it for the for the pinky um hmm which I have used ones that have that. It feels good. It gives like a very sense. So stupid. I feel like a wine drinker. That's just making up terms. It gives me a very confident feel. when I'm a gamer. If, this was, if this was a wine show, people would expect you to talk about yeah. wine. This is a gaming show. So like being like, <laughs> I hate when my mechanical keyboard has a 0.4 second response to the click versus 0.5. Like we got to respect and love that. Yeah, but I'm making for. up a term. Confident clicking, like yeah, I don't, I don't, sure. I don't know what that means, but that's what I feel when I have like. You want good... some haptic and sonic feedback when you hit a button on your 
yeah. mouse or keyboard? Sorry, I just I uh, that's on my mouse. That's on my mouse. But I'm the same way. Like when I lost my my job, <laughs> my last job, and they were like, I was packing up all my stuff. They literally watched me unhook the mouse from the computer, and they were like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "It's mine. I bought my own mouse because I didn't like what you had." And then I unplugged the keyboard, and they're like. The keyboard was yours too. I was like, yeah, I bought my own keyboard because I know the crap you guys use. Like that is me. I'm I'm with you on the yeah. peripherals. And they're thing. like, what's the like, big I'm- deal? It's like I spend forty hours a week. I should have a good tools for my job. Like, yeah, it's like if you're a plumber and they give you a rusty old wrench that's fallen apart. It's like I'm gonna go buy myself a nice wrench because yeah. I'm gonna produce quality work and I want tough tools. Okay, so. Yeah, that's how I feel about peripherals, too. Like, I hate when people cheap out, even though they spend 40 hours of their week with their stuff and they use, like, garbage equipment. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. It's not It's not good for you. not good to have a garbage life. Improve the quality of your life. Says the guy who, like, <laughs> my bedroom is like a mattress on the floor and bare walls. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, my decoration. I need help with the decoration. <laughs> But, like, my keyboard area, computer areas, like, I have to have the best. So, yeah. yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. So, uh, are you, ha- so you have this mouse right now? Or are you trying to find it? Uh, I have it. I'm going to probably get the new one, though. Um, I just, I don't know. It looks like the Batmobile. Like, I, there's something about the, like, look and design of this mouse uh, that I just really, really like. It It's the kind of mouse that you look at it and you're like, well, I don't think that that would be comfortable to use, right? Because it, it kind of looks sharp and it kind of looks angular. It kind of looks like, you know, sitting on the Iron Throne, you're going to get stabbed uh, just yeah. using it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it somehow just comes together to be an extremely comfortable mouse. The only complaint I have is it's definitely made for hands that are bigger than mine. Uh, there's this little thumb button on the side that my hand doesn't de- reach by default unless I put my hand like further up on the mouse than it feels like it rests comfortably. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Overall, it, it's just the best mouse I've ever used, so I'm very precious about it. And like I, as I see these things like bendable monitors coming out, and you know, like even people just doing the you know we talked about the Xbox Design Lab controllers. Like I feel like there's always those things that you're like, Oh, this is, this is mine. Like this, this is my thing. Um, that is important for my gaming experience. I feel like a lot of people have that. Um, yeah. yeah well, I mean, I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. No. In fact, I, I kind of, that's one of the hardest things when I go to a Best Buy or someplace that has these peripherals is, I'm like, I'm not here to buy anything, but maybe I need to pick up a mouse. <laughs> I always want to impulse buy like a Razer mouse or SteelSeries mouse. I've had like, so mm. many damn mice. I just gave one uh, I just gave one to my wife because I, I bought a bunch of extra ones. Final Fantasy is the real problem for this. Like it uses so many keybinds and stuff like that that I've had to get really good at pressing buttons and keys that I'm not used to pressing on stuff. Mm. And so I, I, I've tried MMO mice and I've tried, okay, well this one puts a bunch more thumb buttons on the side. And I just, ultimately I haven't been able to, to go back to anything else to try anything new, but it did put me in a situation where when I moved into the new house, 
I literally had three mice all in a box when I got here to set mm. up on my computer. And I was like, oh, man, I think I have a problem. And now I'm thinking about buying another one. Um, but I think at least this time the decision's going to be smart. I'm going to buy the newer version of what I have and know I already like. Well, I support this. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone's giving you grievance in your house, just say, Bo said it's okay. Bo said I could, so Bo I Bo said we have the budget for it. I'm buying it. Um, Bethesda forced Arcane to call its game Prey, and the studio founder says it was very, very hurtful. Yeah, I felt validated hearing this. I, I very, honestly, I'm very, I'm yeah, very glad he yeah. shared this, as I'm like, you know, we bash companies. We have no idea what goes on internally. Uh, you know, we just it just comes out of our head based on you know our personal biases and how we feel or what's going around the, the zeitgeist, the conversation, and then just to have someone actually just come out and say like, yeah, you know, we really didn't want to call it this, but dumbasses at the company decided that was what it was going to be called, and they basically it, it sounded like it ended like like no, we you're we're doing it our way. You know, and I'm like, oh, so if they can lose a battle like that, what other battles can they lose? So I feel, you know, I felt very validated. It's that, that the game, um, they couldn't even just title their game what they wanted. Like, like it, they were just told you have to title it this. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's unnecessary, too, because the problem with Prey is, one, there's already a game called Prey. It's an IP in the gaming space. There was already a game that was supposed to come out called Prey, which got canceled, that this is now also not. And three, this game has nothing to do with either one of those games. So The concept doesn't even line up with what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. none of it is on par. So it really, it's one of those cases where it really reeks of developer, not developer, um, publisher like just messing for just, no for no reason unnecessary as, mu- as much as i want to support this person and i'm happy he shared it i felt like he let them off the hook too easily i think he should name those people i feel like the people <laughs> responsible should have their careers impact like they should be they should not be working in gaming like i feel like anyone who knows anything about gaming and you'd expect people who work at gaming companies to know a thing or two about gaming would know all of like this was not like some stretch or like you'd have to have arcane knowledge of how the business works to understand that prey is not a great idea for this game i feel like anybody could have told you that so to be so stupid that you called the game prey you should not you should be you should go to jail not not jail jail (laughs) but like you know you Sorry, should go to like man. gaming. You should go to gaming jail where you're not allowed to work in the industry. You like, shouldn't you're have named the game Prey. You're gonna you're gonna go to jail. You need now. to go. You need to go work in comics for a little bit, and then you can come back to gaming or whatever other industry you you can work in. But like, this is a ban worthy offense. I feel like from game development to it's just it's so like dumb. It's so. It, I remember thinking that even back when I heard it and seeing what the game was about, being like, "This doesn't line up." Like, anyways. So, good job on the guy, but I really feel like he should have named. Yeah, names. the stories that come out of studios or you know game developers once they kind of get a little free reign to talk about these things are crazy. Like, 
there's still i i usually associate it most with the music industry but there is a lot of people trying to justify their jobs in the gaming industry too like just making a decision patting themselves on a on the back and going like yep i worked today and uh, this is uh, without <laughs> getting with that decision really did getting that. deep into the social commentary because I'm sure we're going to run into problems, but I think it's just like all other big industries that have people like that too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like all, it's it's not that it's, it's not, I don't think it's unique to the gaming industry, but in the creative spaces like movies and games, and when you have a giant committee making decisions, you have all kinds of motivations that aren't necessarily in in the in product's best interest in play as well. Well, speaking of mixing business and creativity, Bo, tell me about Rocksmith Plus. Not much to say, except I learned it was releasing next week with very little fanfare. Um, It was delayed, but there isn't a big marketing push. This came out, this is Ubisoft, so it came out along, I guess, with the, the mention of Assassin's Creed. I'm not sure if we'll find out more along with Assassin's Creed. I don't know. I just don't know what's planned. It's just coming out next week. So. Yeah. Well, I guess um, we, we know September 10th is going to be a date that Ubisoft has a big showcase. Um, I don't know. I don't know what time they're doing that. That's uh, That puts them on a Saturday, uh, which we typically do a show on. But maybe it's something we can talk over if we feel strongly enough uh, and can get everybody together for. Um because I know I like doing them. I think you like doing them, too, where uh, we just get to see what's coming out. And it's something we've definitely been talking about a lot on this show, which is, the hell is Ubisoft doing right now? Like, yeah, they've been new. weirdly quiet, and, uh, I mean, typically when companies go through a lot of scrutiny like Ubisoft did, that seems to be what they do. They just go, well, let's not talk. But uh, I am curious to see what comes out of them, because they, they make good stuff. Sometimes, a lot of the time. A lot of the rumor mill is that they're trying to make themselves appealing for sale. It's yeah. a, that's a rumor. I don't think anything there is confirmed, but there's a bit of that. So we'll probably get a lot of fluff, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fanfare, I'm hoping. It'll be a big one. Well, well there is a lot of that going on. Sony acquired Savage Game Studios. Um, who is Savage Game Studios? Remind me. Oh, I don't know. We're talking acquisition wars now, are we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're... So I just put them on because, like, I found five articles that were like, "This buys this, this buys this," and there's always been acquisitions going on. So we don't cover all of it, but I guess I just wanted to give Sony a W because I'm like, "Oh, they bought something." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know what Savage Game Studios is, uh, but I'm like, so. But I guess uh, you know, let's just we get we get. Um, told we're xbox or microsoft fanboys and don't give enough love to the station and uh i'm like okay well you know playstation just bought something here uh but oh and the the newsworthy thing this is this is why i wanted to bring it up too because it's uh sony said savage is currently working on a new unannounced triple a mobile live service action game (laughs) What? <laughs> Way to go, PlayStation. You bought a mobile game. That's cool. But you join I think this is like that at first I was like, oh they bought something. That's awesome. Go Sony. They're trying to keep up with Microsoft. Let's and then I read the article and it's like, oh it's a it's a mobile game. Awesome. Oh uh, well but, you know, I think yeah, they, they maybe don't want to be left the, out of uh, that money. Maybe the bigger one is Sony and Tencent have acquired um stake in from software. 
Um, do you mm-hmm. want to talk about a potential potential win from software? Uh, pretty well known uh, studio with them. Um, yeah. With uh, all not the a, attention a- and success they've gotten from Elden Ring, um, Dark Souls, all of those. Uh, they don't own them. It's not exclusivity, right? They uh, the majority shareholder at sixty nine percent. Nice, nice. Is Kadokawa, whoever that is. I assume they were longstanding shareholders, so there's probably no change to the power influence dynamic of the of From Software. You know, it's an investment, right? You invest ten percent of something, you're just hoping it returns. I don't. I don't know what other benefits go along with ownership when you own so little. In terms of percentage. I mean, but it shows their interest. Yeah. Maybe, you know, that changes. Like, I, you know, it's interesting to see Sony do it because Sony is, you know, reportedly behind the eight ball. But this doesn't count as a full-on acquisition, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're... We're at an interesting time, and I think everybody can kind of see the writing on the wall, which is why we're hearing more about acquisitions and purchases. And, you know, these studios are getting bought up by these people. And uh, I think the reason this has become so prevalent news-wise is I do think we are kind of seeing... I don't know what the end game necessarily is, right? Because... Microsoft right now is out there trying to tell people that, no, we just want everybody making video games, everybody making games uh, for everybody. Uh, Sony is definitely at a position where, oddly enough, and we saw the numbers, like PS5 is outselling um, the uh, Xbox Series X and S, but they obviously are feeling a lot of pressure from Microsoft and Game Pass and uh, you know, we've talked about how much money Microsoft has to back its projects and things like that. And I think we just are at this weird place where everybody is kind of circling the wagons, getting ready for whatever the throwdown is next. So I think that's why this is all kind of interesting. And I am curious to see if Sony makes any moves while this Activision Blizzard King acquisition is still under review. Because it certainly makes their their claims that, oh, we're going to be driven out of the industry seem lessened if they start buying up a bunch of studios, right? But at the same time, if you've got a studio out there that's making a bunch of acquisitions, don't you want to also show that, hey, we're going to have a lot of exclusives and a lot of support too? So, I don't know. That's that's a long way of saying I don't know the direction it's going. I just know acquisitions aren't. It isn't as simple as buying something and putting it in your portfolio. Like, there's relationships to manage. There's infrastructure. There's lots to do. Microsoft's been prepping a lot of this stuff way ahead of time. Like, this is a years on years play. So, Uh, Sony might do a move here or there, but I don't. It's just this doesn't have the same weight. Even if they buy something big. They're buying something big out of desperation versus a long-term plan. I just think they're. I think they're. I think this is me anthropomorphizing companies, but I just think so. This is shell shock for Sony, or it's either that or they're just. Well, they do care. They have to care. They can't, you know, because I, I, they could just keep on. You know, you could, there's that whole thing where like, yeah, let the other guy do whatever. We're just keeping on what keeping on what we're doing, and that could also be. But 
I really think Sony has good exclusives. I think like you know the God of War and the the, the Uncharted's and the Final Fantasies, like all their exclusives are uh, the Naughty Dog games, like Last of Us. Like they have really solid, high quality titles. Um, so they may just look at this as a passing. F- like Game Pass could turn out to be bust in a few years. Like, yep. We don't know because I still sort of think it's like. It's, it's not bottom feeding. What's the, the market is saturated with effing games. Like I could play the games from 2017 this year that I haven't played and be perfectly satisfied. Spend my whole year doing that. Like I think I think there's a tenuousness to how relevant new releases are. Like the hype machine keeps it going. Twitch and YouTube culture always looking for something new. But, like, there's a part of me that's like, you know, if you unplug from that, if you unplug from listening to this podcast and hear about new stuff, and you're just like, I'm not going to spend any money this year on anything new, only games from five years ago, I bet you there's a ton you haven't played and something fun out there for you. So I feel like I feel like the, the underlying value of gaming is, like, so tenuous and so built on a, a house of cards or, like, just a shit foundation that, like that everyone's in this kind of like, well, let's just keep doing this because it works kind of mode. But I don't know after five years of the same status quo of just shoveling out tons of new games. At what point do we have so many titles that like no one is interested in anything new? Yeah. Like just picture five, 10 years from now, we keep releasing products at this rate. Like, and Game Pass has like 500 million bajillion games on it now. <laughs> like, like you know, it, I feel like that's the micro. Maybe the Microsoft play is like we can't sell on novelty anymore because there's so much product. And then PlayStation sits on the everything we do is a world class release. And maybe yeah, they just sit and maybe there's there. room for both those mentalities. I mean, that's the that's the other thing is like right now they're they're stances are so opposite that it's easy to see how both Microsoft and Sony can coexist. Like, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Sorry. That, that also, you know, like you said, what happens when the financials and the sustainability of the market shift, you know, can Sony continue? We talked about how, okay, it feels like every game that comes out these days has to be either an annual release or it has to be, you know, extremely additionally monetized. But you look at those benchmark games for uh, Sony, and in most cases, that is not the case. God of War, I don't think had any DLC. I, I, it certainly it didn't have an expansion. I, I don't I, think it has any on Steams, and you, I would have expected like Integrade came with Final Fantasy VII Remake when it came to PC, right? So yeah. I would have expected uh, the DLC at launch if there were if there was any for. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there is any, and it didn't have a sequel the next year. I mean, we're we're waiting for a sequel now, but it has been some time. Uh, Marvel Spider Man. Has DLC, but it's very small. It's very, most of the stuff that's in the game is in the game. It had an additional set of side story and chapters uh, that were released that is now included in the game, but overall, not a lot. Uh, Last of Us, 
no DLC. Um, you, although there is a rumored multiplayer mode coming, but like you look at these, these games that they're putting out and they don't follow the trend that we're saying, like nowadays all games have to follow. And so I feel like it can just as easily be, they turn around and go, man, we're pouring so much money into these one-time purchases that we know are selling for less than what they should. You know, everybody mm-hmm. talks about inflation. Video games should be far more expensive sure. than they are. Yeah. Um, how sustainable is that? And on the other hand, you got Microsoft. You know, how many games can you put on Game Pass before you go, you know, we're spending a lot of money to have games churned out that just aren't getting played. I definitely could see either model failing, just like I can see either model succeeding and working for them. Um, I think the next several years are going to be interesting. I think what the next set of consoles, when we get there, uh, what those end up being is very interesting. And as much as I hate to say this, (laughs) I think the future uh, of how technology evolves, if we go into a direction of VR or some other form of engaging with uh, video games and stuff like that, are going to perhaps be the biggest... um, the ways that this sort of evolves and changes as well. Uh, because we're definitely hitting that point where, you know, I, I was playing final fantasy nine the other day and Kyle stopped in the stream and he goes, where are we graphically speaking? And I said, <laughs> we're at the, eh, we're at the end of the PlayStation, you know, next is 10. We're at the PS two. And he was like, man, they really improved things for, for 10. I was I thought about it and I was like, yeah, the jump from PlayStation to PlayStation 2 was a massive jump. Like was, in, that was the insane. that was the draw. The, ten that was the draw of ten was like, look at these graphics. It's yeah. like a cartoon. It's like a Pixar movie. And we are not at that anymore. You can put a PS4 game up to a PS5 game. I mean, they're literally doing this now because they're they're doing that uh remake of The Last of Us uh and there are people that are going, yeah, it doesn't look that much better, honestly. Yeah. yeah so yeah, it, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, how much more can it just be the graphics are prettier versus That's, we got to yeah. change how people play video games? I, I Well, I agree with you completely. It's just the, gra- the graphics are an easy and known quantifiable because it's like this in movies too, visually. Uh it's easy to, to sell sizzle to market, to, to show, make demonstrations of something's better versus there's a lot of intangibles that gaming needs that a lot of studios don't do. So, for example, the extent of writing done in a game like Baldur's Gate 3, like we need more complex storylines. We need better writers. We need uh, more complex like decision trees, causes and effect structure. We need better AI you know, better or like we need monsters that are a little more believable, a little more tougher. Like AI is, you know, there's innovations, but like we need things that don't sell very well on a E3 stage. Like, you know, you can't just like check out the AI on this guy. It's like, you're not going to feel the AI until you're playing against it. Right. We need like gaming definitely needs innovations in those directions. And, you know, say, like, oh, we'll, we'll rely on the indie scene. Well, the indie scene can only do so much because it's, like, three guys. It's not like they're going to revolutionize 
gaming in any huge way, you know? So it's like, and that's the Unreal thing where it's like, Unreal Engine, it's so real. It's like, but what are you doing to make gaming more awesome? And like, and that, and I say that because it's about the processing power available. It's like bigger GPU, bigger graphics. It's like, why don't we use some of these computational resources for more NPCs, for more lifelike dialogue choices? What if we had NPCs rather than doing scripted things? It's not an AI, but somewhat of a VI like in Mass Effect that can dynamically respond. Like, why aren't we investing in R and D to make better NPCs? that are dynamically scripted by an AI rather than written by a writer, for example. It doesn't exist yet, but you could open an R&D department in your gaming company, try to develop that alongside your releases, but, like, nope, everything's in graphics. So I agree with you anyway. Sorry, I'm kind of... No, I'm 100% with you. I think, you know, as passionate as you are about VR, which we're about to get to as we as we close our news section, which was huge this week... Um, but uh, for me, I feel that way about AI. Because I remember when Half-Life came out. People weren't telling me, you, John, you have to play Half-Life. It's the most graphically amazing video game you've ever seen. People told me and sold me on Half-Life by saying, like, this game is crazy. There are enemies that if you hide from them, they throw grenades to flush you out so that they can yeah. shoot at you. There are enemies that you have to sneak because if they hear you, they'll attack you. You know, like, that's what I heard about Half-Life, was this immersive, like, way of playing the game. Not that it was graphically beautiful. It did look good at the time, you know, mm-hmm. not for nothing. But um, I heard about the AI, and that's what sold me on the game. And Half-Life 2, yeah, was more about graphics and physics and interactions with objects and technology evolving forward. Um, I, I think that to me, the future is you tell me that there's a video game where the enemies are going to outthink me and it's not some cheat. It's not just like, ah, we programmed it to know what button you press before you press the button. You program it to lose realistically to you. Yeah. It's part of the fantasy is not like, of course they can just build any AI that's going to turbo pwn you. Like that's, that's doable. That's not, we're talking about a more sophisticated AI to give you a more sophisticated experience than whatever you are. Yeah, I, I've been getting really irritated lately because whenever you hear about AI, it's like, oh, Elon Musk is making self-driving cars so cool. And like, oh, we're going to have uh, a shopping assistants and, and customer service agents that are powered by AI. Look at all the great stuff. I'm like, make better NPCs, dumbasses. Like, I guess, <laughs> like, well, I don't want any of that stuff for AI. I just want a more immersive video game experience. Like, stop, stop trying to make AI for things... That suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, honestly, like, I don't, like, the people that are developing AI are doing it for all the wrong reasons. It's like, I need more immersive video game experiences. And then from there, you can apply it to other things, right? Like, start in the video game space. That's why we have CG graphics pretty much to begin with, because it started in gaming. Like, do good in gaming, and then we can extrapolate it out to other things, I think. Well, the bar um, is so low, too. Like, that's the other thing. Like, we talk about how graphic fidelity, it's so hard to achieve anything impressive these days. The bar is so damn low with AI. When I was playing World of Warcraft, I was standing in Dalaran, one of the big cities. And I was just standing there, and I was AFK, I was watching something on my other monitor, and I looked over... And I noticed that the NPCs that were walking around Dollar N 
never walked into me, like through me, because you know MMOs, everything always clips through your body. Yeah, they always yeah. veered around me, and I was like, did I just happen to stand at the perfect spot where? you know the pathing just doesn't happen to go and i moved somewhere else they still didn't run into me and i got a chance to ask the blizzard devs and i was like well is this a stupid question i was like but like i noticed that in dollar n like nobody bumps into you and they were like yeah we programmed it that way they recognize that there are players there if they can't help it because there's so many people they'll walk through them but in general they're programmed to avoid players so that you know it's immersive that one little thing like, that's a low bar. And I thought it was the most impressive thing in the world. Like, I was genuinely wowed by it. It is not hard to impress on that front. You just have to do it, you know? And I, I think that that, to me, is... That's the kind of gaming stuff I get excited about. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, that's part of the immersion factor. It's like, we're not trying to create realistic humans for NPCs, either. Like, that's... You just have made an actual AI because what we're talking about is just AI in gaming just means like it AI in meeting in games actually means what AI is supposed to mean, where it's artificial intelligence, meaning right. fake, yeah. where people talk about AI is like, what if AI becomes sentient? It's like, it's not an AI anymore then. It's just an eye. <laughs> like they're not trying to, you know, that science fiction thing where you're like, what if we have to give rights to machines because they are alive? AI, I'm like, that's then it's not artificial. Then it's it's actually life or something. You know what I mean? So yes, I want a rock solid AI that just increases the immersion like you're talking about. Like just in that very way that not only can recognize that you're standing there and move around you, but that can script for you right. organically in some way. Like you know, in a in a way that in a way that makes it so that you don't have to script every single NPC. You got your, let's say Unreal makes the AI package, you give it some parameters or context about its life, and then it's able to spin good fiction. You know, it's not a full AI. It's just within a scope, like, delivering that fantasy flavor of, like, I got to get my eggs to the market or else to spoil and I won't be able to sell them, you know, or something like that. It has its own life with its own internal logic, and yes, you can break it if you stretch it too far. But, um, yeah. Uh, I'm into it. Anyways, so I don't know how we got here, but yes, I think sometimes a lot gets sacrificed to the altar of graphics, and it's annoying because it's not exactly, you know, like ray tracing's great and all. I mean, I'm happy they're doing it, but yeah, it's not the it's not the only thing, but it it, it sometimes feels that way. Bo, before we leave news. You have two VR stories in here. Uh, one of them yeah, is we'll actually interesting to me um, because I I am genuinely curious. You know, sometimes I think I come across on this show as harping on VR. It's not really that. I am skeptical of it taking off as a technology. Um, but I do think that there are some big inroads that could make it happen. And one of those is what Apple decides to do with VR. Because Apple has clearly shown that whatever they make oh. as far as a product... <laughs> Uh, is potentially going to catch on like wildfire. So what's going, what what's going on in VR? The, it wasn't what I thought was going to be the interesting one. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I bet it was, the, I bet it was as, the other one. As soon as people are like, let me tell you about the HTML, the metaverse, I'm like, shut the hell up. I don't, I don't uh, care. Well, I don't I'll get, think it's real. I'll get through it real quick. <laughs> but but basically, like there there is a sense that if you're in VR, you put your headset on, 
and you want to visit walmart.com, uh-huh. how that works in VR is I'm going to go to the Walmart world. The problem is, like, there's so much information that has to be passed back and forth to do that that you have to download an app and install it. But what if you can type or just say, take me to Walmart, then then your your VR experience becomes in that space? It's the transfer. So Pixar, because they had uh, working in different offices on their animation, came up with a protocol to stream that animation over the internet like years ago. Which I just thought was interesting because this is the whole like find old code that's no longer serving a purpose and reuse it. So NVIDIA is just talking about they think they're on to something with the HTML, the internet, because of what's called universal scene description, which was allowing Pixar back in the day to work on their animations. Existing technology that they made their movies with that they can use this in, in, in some way for doing that in VR headsets. That's all it is. I thought it was interesting because Facebook and Metaverse is trying to be it, and everyone's like, it ain't it. And this, to me, actually sounded like a logical thing of a real... It isn't a company trying to sell me on a big thing. It's just explaining there's a technology we might be able to leverage for the future of VR internet. And yes, it might not be for everyone, but um, just uh, look up Pixar Universal uh, uh, Scene Description USD... Um, and NVIDIA and Google some articles if you're interested in reading more about that. But um, that it interested me a lot. So that's I thought that was a hopeful sign of the or Matrix future to come. Uh, the 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 Apple AR VR headset. So this is what interested you. I don't uh, know. I don't know if it did, but like I'm definitely you know like. Is VR the future? I don't know. Let's see what companies decide to do with it. And I think Apple is definitely one of those companies that you go, what are they doing with it? So you're saying that there have been some hints as to what their headset will be branded. Yeah, the headset's been rumored, but this article just pointed to um, a filing from, not from Apple, but they often don't, this article mentions they often don't file under their own company name when a new product's going to be launched to avoid spoilers and and stuff like that. Did a trademark, what's the exact term? Uh, whatever it is, you know, they, I think it's registered, uh, sorry, so the company that registered it was Immersive Health Solutions, <laughs> um, but they're registered to Apple, that company, trademark filings, yeah, okay, Reality OS. Okay. Because um, the document said that they, they, they trademarked Reality, and I was like, this bold move, Apple, you just... We own reality now. If you want to be in reality, you're going to pay Apple. So Well, I think they are going to have that branding. So alleged Apple trademarks point to reality. So like if you have reality OS, no you know, may, people might not call it reality OS. They might just call it reality, right? Like formally, informally, it's called reality. The, this being the case, the rumor is that this would be a trademark play for the AR VR space. It's a little dystopic because it's not reality, and you want to, you know. I know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's very like, it's like, concerning to me. It's like inventing a new drug and calling it totally safe, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and not the, the new drug, not addictive, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, we, you know? Because you know, but I get that it's like it's so good, it's like reality. That's right. where the branding name. We've comes named from. our new car the Idol. 
Like, you know, right. it's, just, it's, yeah. it's still, it doesn't the, the really Honda describe stop sign. what it is. Yes. The Honda, the Honda stop sign or stops. Right. Or what, you know, like not going yeah. anywhere. It's this, it, it just makes sense because of it's so good. It's like reality, but you could, you could have said that about movies in the 1920s. Like the trains are really coming at you. Like it's a little like, I hope they don't do that personally, but, um, as it stands, Apple has a reputation as a, a vendor of very high quality products in the tech space. So, and very expensive, yeah. I might add. Um, as a VR enthusiast, I'm very interested to see what they do. That being said, their penchant for walled gardens is not exciting here. So they better be spitting fire when it comes to apps or I don't want it. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, if there's an affordable, if they meet the right affordability and awesome technology intersection, you may see them, you know, opening up the app store and offering VR game developers a good things, but here's uh, opportunities to sell. And that's going to be a favorable and successful thing. Well, the one thing I will say is VR games kind of like they're good and all, but they lack a lot right now in terms of quality. That's my whole thing with Skyrim VR and playing a full fledged triple a game in this space. It's way better. Even if it's technically crappier than some of the better fidelity controlled games like Beat Saber and stuff. I talked about this on the stream uh, that I did yesterday. And and I think it's true. Like you are right about Apple being a walled garden, but I was talking about old internet browsers, right? And like back in the day, everybody was on America online and America online was notoriously a walled garden. Like that was the internet, but that was the internet to so many people. It was like, Oh yes, I use I, I use the internet. I use America Online, and people were just living in that infrastructure. They weren't going to real web pages. They were doing keywords to go to bulletin boards about whatever topic within America Online that they wanted. And what it did is it got everybody on the internet. And then people discovered like, oh, we're in this stupid one little corner of it. We don't need to be here. Let's get a real internet service provider. Let's get out there and see what the, the true internet is going to be. But now you have a ton of people doing it because everybody was on America Online, right? And so yeah. to me, that's, that's where the potential future for VR is, is you trick everybody into adopting it, and then somebody does it right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing, this, so far, I think the biggest draw, the biggest enthusiast draw for VR has been the online chat spaces. That's why there's a Horizon, Facebook's got Horizon, or Meta's got Horizon. VR chats there. Is Apple going to do anything with that? Like, is it just going to be Google Maps and Uber Eats? <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine it's going to be pretty stale. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think you're impressed by Apple's VR offering. But... There is a world where, let's say, it's stale and lacks the creativity of VR chat, but they actually make something super not lame. So it's not like, <laughs> yeah. like, like the the meta that that whole Horizon metaverse, like, it is dog shit, right? I mean, the underlying structure, communication protocols, blah blah blah. Maybe that stuff's great, but the actual impression the product gives. I mean, you've seen the articles. Yes. Everyone's making fun of make Mark Zuckerberg. 1.0, 2 3 and 4.0. <laughs> like, they do, it doesn't look cool. Um, 
if it is a very controlled environment, but it's somehow dope as hell, uh, I don't. You can hang out with. It, maybe it, it's more like Fortnite, where yeah, you can't make your own thing, but you can look like Ariana Grande, your favorite K-pop, your ITZY and Blackpink idols, let's say, or BTS. If they do some kind of weird thing with product licensing and it's like Apple, you know, primo, great experience, then it it, it could potentially be successful. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I can see it. it really, it's going to be on the strength of their software. And honestly, if they do something innovative with their hardware, if they release a VR headset that like weighs nothing and has every bit of graphical fidelity as the other headsets, that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It doubles up. It, maybe it even doubles up as a phone. It's, as as I mentioned a few weeks ago, that would be that that would be an interesting. I think you'd see a lot of people pick that up. Remember Google Glass, which got nixed for privacy reasons. Although there is like a Ray Ban like that now, I guess. And, uh, Google Glass was highly anticipated. Yeah, yeah, I was looking forward to it, and I was like, "What happened to it?" Like, people had this thing, and it seemed cool. Where did it go? And then I heard all the bad stories about it, but it's like, I I, kind of still want it. And that, in a way, is an early AR device. So it might be more AR than VR. And then maybe that's how VR gets popular. Like the way you said, everyone gets on board with the AR side of things. And then they're used to wearing these devices, and then they take the next step to VR later. That's how you get them. I don't know. I'm excited. It's right. exciting. Uh, so I'm, we're, I'm going to kill. I'm going to kill excitement. There's no. Well, okay. There's no dear Martha this week. You've done a lot of work today organizing the show. It's fine. I didn't. I, you know. Now that you mentioned it, I might have taken a turn to help you do something and do for prep one. But I think I think our listeners who like our long shows are going to be happy with the amount of content because we are at three hour mark from when we started and we still got show to go. Yeah, but we did an hour setup and pre-show, so I think we're still doing pretty good. Yeah. My dear uh, Martha, I hate the. Er, no, I know, dear Game Informer, uh, I write to you because this this second installment in this game I like changed things dramatically and it sucks. And now I hate everything. And your magazine's terrible. There you go. You signed, uh, signed. Um, uh, reasonable game of 52. It wasn't for lack of like time to work on it. It was more of, uh, I don't have the music. I can't, I want to give the full experience. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that song is called. To be Our honest listeners can go a week without Martha. Yeah, I mean, they might not want to, they'll but we'll, you know, they'll, they'll last, uh, you know, it, uh, you know absence and, uh, makes the heart go fonder. I also don't but, have access to our emails. So we have one segment left, which is what okay. we've been playing, which, which I, we may take some time on. Are you equipped to do breaks? <laughs> can I yeah, get a two minute? Because yeah, yeah, I've been sitting break. for three hours and my leg, I just need to. We can 100% uh, do a break. Hey, give yourself a break. All right. So like just like two, three minutes. I just want to stand yeah. up and, and do my legs. You and like, if you want to keep rolling, then you can keep rolling you solo show style. Give yourself a five minute break. How about that? Oh, sweet. Thanks, boss. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah. it. Go ahead. You're real take, generous this take, week. It's take great. a five minute all right, I'll we'll be, be back in five. We'll be back, everybody. Five-minute break. We'll see you on the other side. We're back. Hello, everybody. Right. Hello, yeah, Bo. Thank, Welcome thanks, back. Thanks, boss. Yeah. Thanks, boss. Yeah, you know it. what? I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we took the time. 
Uh, hey, let's talk about what we've been playing this week. Uh, we we all played uh, a decent amount of stuff. Um, for me, still most of the time is going into the Final Fantasy business. Um, playing through nine, uh, that game is really good. I'm I'm genuinely impressed at how much I'm enjoying it. Uh, so not a lot of new stuff to say except that um, it's just charming, and I really really like that one. And then uh, I've been playing more 14. I did the new raid. Uh, the new raid is very good. And uh, that's about all I can say. Like, that's the crappy thing about Final Fantasy 14. Everything is tied into story. Everything is a spoiler. So all I really get to say is, hmm. uh, hey, the new raid is very, very good. And it ended on a com- cliffhanger. The one question slash comment I will make about your playing of Final Fantasy 9 is it's one of the ones I missed, <coughs> excuse me, along with, 12, I think. Yeah. And I guess technically 15, but it's too recent to count. Yeah. Um, so we're talking historical Final Fantasies. Um, 9 and 12 are the ones I missed. Out of all of them, and the, the Japanese ones, of course, but I'm not going to count those. Um, a lot of rules about <laughs> a lot of, putting a lot of conditions on this. <laughs> I've only missed... <laughs> Too, it as seems long like as it's just old ones and not from Japan, and is yeah. uh, got a number in the title, and right, yeah. I, I, let me make my point. Finally, is that uh, nine is the one I hear the most about. Is like, oh, that one's so good. I can't believe you didn't play it. So, where does it rank? Like, just generally speaking, in terms, like, it's like it's good, but like, yeah, it's missable, or it's like. Oh no, like this was, it's a tragedy that I didn't play this and I'm glad I'm playing it now. I mean, I think so. Recently, Yoshi P kind of got misquoted. A lot of people took it to mean that he, he didn't have a lot of faith in the Final Fantasy franchise, which it, it doesn't really make sense when you think about it. But he was saying that Final Fantasy is a tricky, um, it's kind of a tricky property because it means different things to a lot of people. Like, to some mm-hmm. people, you say Final Fantasy, and they picture seven. They picture giant swords and kind of a dystopian, you know, quasi-cyberpunk-type mm-hmm. universe. Uh, some people picture knights and mages and dragons and all of that. Like, it's a property that's not easily quantified. Like, it all feels somewhat connected, because you can kind of see how they went from A to B to C... But they're also so unique and diverse that where people feel about them is going to just vary greatly based on personal experience. Right now, playing through 9, I am enjoying it more than I enjoyed 7 and 8, personally. Uh, Maybe not 7 Remake, that's a different scale, but... um, Is it a menu ATB battle system? Yes, so uh, battle systems are a big controversy in the final fantasies. It it feels really simplified though. Like, whereas like the materia and the junction system, it kind of feels like this is almost a step back. Um, It basically uses an ability system where items and gear have abilities tied to them. And by using that equipment, you unlock the abilities and then you have a certain amount of abilities that you can equip to your character. And it does not get more complicated than that. That is it. Hmm. And uh, I do think it has a misstep when it comes to limit breaks. Like, it is definitely the worst of the limit break systems. Uh, by far, it's actually really bad. But the characters are great. 
Like it's got a very diverse cast of characters. Uh, so it doesn't suffer from eight where it's just like, all right, it's just a bunch of angsty teens. Um, and it somehow manages to be, uh, you know, just as diverse on par with uh, where seven is, where you don't feel like every character you play is just a, a boring human or something like that. You've got interesting characters. So, uh, but the story is definitely, you know, it's back to fantasy. It's kingdoms and politics and crystals and chocobos and moogles and uh, summons, which are eidolons in this one. Um, Mm. And it's tied up in, you know, if you have a fondness for the NES and Super NES era Final Fantasy, it is a love letter to those games first and foremost. And so I, I would say... I would highly recommend it, um, especially with the the mod package I'm playing. Like it looks and feels very modern. Um, I mean, it's old, but you know, it doesn't feel any worse than playing seven or eight did uh, modded. So uh, it's good. Um, it's not revolutionary. The story, you know, I, I to me right now the top of the the ones I've played, uh, the number one is uh, for me is six. Six was that kind of maturity of story to be complicated and deep, but still in this fantasy universe. I don't think that this quite reaches the uh, depth of that, but I would put it right alongside it. Like, it's it's right up there with it. So, I'm having a very, very good time with it. Um, Maybe I'll have to play that one sometime. Yeah. That's one I think about a lot. It's good. Supposedly, it's going to get a remake. So who knows? You might have a that might, be might a have a good excuse to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. I wasn't interested enough to go back to eight. So <laughs> yeah. played that one. I'm good. Eight is eight is unique. Like I'm going to have a ton to say at some point. I know I'm going to lock myself into doing a retrospective on all these games because mm. they're so they're so incredibly unique and different like across every single one of them that I feel like I could talk about each individual entry in the series. And at no point would I ever go, eh, you know, it's a final fantasy. It is what it is. Like every single one has some sort of weird nuance and tick and thing that just kind of makes it stand out and makes it its own thing uh, for good and sometimes for bad. So it's, it's been a, a lot of fun to, to dive in and play. Um, I also played Guild Wars 2, but I'm going to let you do the bulk of talking about it because I did not play much of it, so we'll get to that when we get to your games, but I'll just mention that uh, I booted it up. Um, Did not put very much time into it, and we'll talk about why when we get to that. Another one I didn't spend (laughs) uh, another ton of time with it, but I'm looking forward to diving into it, is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection came out this week. Yeah, I saw this. I thought it might have been DLC for Shredder's Revenge. (laughs) But it looks like um, no. It just looks like a classics package. It is. It's got a lot of games in it. Um, I'm trying to see how many games that they put in this thing. It's a stupid amount of games. Uh, So the games that are that are in this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. Teenage Mutant. What? Sorry, I just saw the price of it. It's fifty dollars Canadian. Uh oh, is it? It's forty dollars here, but maybe that's you know maybe that equates. Well, seems um, like a lot for old eight bit 
Well, that's eight bit games, but I'll let you continue. Sorry, I just I so so it's got yeah. the the Ninja Turtles arcade game. It's got Turtles in Time, the arcade game. Uh, it's got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Nintendo game. That is the famous one where nobody got past the dam level. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. saying you know the level that's literally at a dam. Uh, but you might also refer to it as the damn level. Uh, Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game for the Nintendo. Ninja Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project for the Nintendo. Uh, Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters for the Nintendo. Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo. Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters for the Super Nintendo. Uh, Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist for the Sega Genesis. Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters for the Sega Genesis. Ninja Turtles Follow the Foot Clan for the Game Boy, Turtles 2 Back from the Sewers, and Turtles 3 Radical Rescue. Uh, It's got a lot of games in it. And a lot of these I am actually very nostalgic for, which is why I bought it. Uh, I didn't have a ton of time to play. Oh, you did? You bought Yeah, I guess you would have had to have bought it. I bought it. Yeah, I bought it. I've been on a bit of a Ninja Turtles kick. I don't know what has made me so nostalgic for them, but I I watched uh, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the other day. Uh, I've watched some of the shows recently. That, I can say, I put it on for my son, but then I got into it. Like, Dad was like, all right, we're watching Ninja Turtles, finally. Um, Honestly, I'll take Ninja Turtles over a lot of what's out there, like Peppa Pig and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, great. absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I, all I've played of the collection so far, besides perusing like a lot of artwork, because it's got a lot of that, um, you know, like, hey, take a look, here's box art, and here's magazine articles, and they've just collected a lot of stuff about these games. So it's kind of a nice museum piece in that regard. Uh, as far as these old games go, although there is, there's a sad lack of video with the content. So like, I got really excited for a minute because there's a spot where it's like videos, and then you can literally pull up, and it has all the Ninja Turtle TV series. And I was like, did they put episodes of the TV shows on this? And that no, they just sick. have they just have pictures from the episodes of the TV shows. I was like, yeah, that's kind of yeah, dumb. Little, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. That's I can not see them probably wants. wanting to package the shows and sell them separately, though. Yeah. I, I would find it shocking if they actually put the TV series in, but I would have too. But that was why I was like, when I when it was like video, and I clicked it, and it, but there was nothing video about it. It was still mm-hmm. images, but. Uh, anyway, it's pretty cool. I don't know if it's worth the price. I try not to talk too much about the price because it's going to be, you know, everybody's business on um, what you put that at. But yeah, it sounds it'll like go, it'll go up. It'll 40, go 40 or fifty dollars, depending on where you're at. Um, I played the NES game. It's still really bad, <laughs> but I'm definitely better at it as an adult. That's one nice thing. I was but like, I, there's a struggle with that game. I, rem- I remember that game too. I remember it being hella hard, mm-hmm. but insisting on playing it nonetheless because it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, it was, it was bad. If you played as Donatello, it wasn't that bad. Or Leonardo. They were okay because their weapons had reach. For some reason, they couldn't figure out back in the day a way to make the turtles reach the same. They were like, well, Raph's got those little size, so let's make him almost incapable of fighting because all of his, his attack just comes out like a light wave up against the body. Um... Uh, yeah, we, really we, we didn't have that level of articulation in game design where you, <laughs> you, you know, Raphael maybe could reach a little more because 
his animations would be different, so his arm would extend farther. Yeah, maybe different. maybe he leans with his arm out, and then the others just kind of swing close to the chest, and he, it's a net gain. Yeah. I don't know, but um, it's a kid's game. Just put it together and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> but it's fun if uh, if yeah. that's something you're nostalgic for. If you want to check those out, uh, it's out. It's on Steam. That's where I played it, and uh, it's good. And I also checked out one other game that Scott has talked a lot about um, called okay. Gun- Gunfire Reborn. This game was on sale, so I picked it up. Yeah, I saw that too, but I, I got something else. But This, yeah, is, um, this is like a roguelike type shooter. Uh, it's like if Borderlands was a roguelike game. Um, and all the characters were cat people. That, uh, admittedly, that's the biggest turnoff in the marketing. Where I'm like, oh, it's a shooter, it's roguelike, and I'm like, everyone's cat. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. in the I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I look at the character models, and I don't I don't much care for it. Uh, I will say this though: the thing that that game gets insanely right is the gameplay and the shooting feels really good, and oh, yeah. that can be mm. very hard to nail down. And that's the thing that I was the most impressed by was how much I enjoyed playing the game. Uh, I'm not sure what the pedigree of the developers are, but they have a good feeling shooter. Like in a way where, you know, I started playing it and you're picking up these guns and it feels very Borderlands-esque because, you know, here's their elemental attributes and all all that business. And it immediately, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm back playing Tiny Tina again. I think this plays better than Tiny Tina, like as far as a shooter goes. Like it felt a lot better to play. Now that said, uh, I would say that my criticisms of this game is kind of the opposite of Borderlands. While I think Borderlands has an overabundance of personality, uh, bad personality, and it's got way too much of it, this game feels like it needs a little more creativity in terms of writing. Uh, I can almost hear the writing, uh, whoever wrote the details on this, just kind of being like, that's good enough <laughs> when they wrote dialogue for this game. Uh, I don't think the writing in it is particularly good. Um, and oddly enough, when you look at a weapon, I feel like you're reading a goddamn novel. Even early on in the game, it's like, this is the second gun I've picked up. Why is there so much text about this gun? Um it feels unnecessary. Like there's surely there has to be a easier way is kind of how I felt about it. But the, the conceits of the game, you know, like getting new guns, uh, running through levels, fighting off waves of enemies, fighting bosses, getting better guns. And the way the shooting and all that feels is good enough to where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of time playing this game. Like it's, it's solid. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely looked interesting to me. I just I saw the marketing and the, you know, the uh, and this with the cat people, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll wait. You know, I keep waiting because I'm like, it just doesn't sizzle to me. But um, hearing you say that it's quite the gunplay is quite good, then I think that's that's the most important part for yeah. like what is it like a ten dollar like right now it's on sale Canadian fifteen dollars right fifteen dollar game like you know. You expect some limitation somewhere for that price point. Yeah, um, I would almost put it on par with, like, I don't know. This may be giving it too much of a compliment, but it kind of almost feels like Slay the Spire, where it's like, wow, you got the hard part so good. 
Mm. And then there's these other things on the periphery that are just a little bit like, eh, that could use a little work here and there. But uh, it seems like the thing that most shooting games have a hard time with, which is feeling like a good shooter, boy, you sure got that down uh, as if it wasn't even a problem. Okay, well, I'm going to pick it up so I don't have any more excuses not to play it. It's on sale <laughs> right now. So. Yeah. I'll install it and I'll give it a try. Sweet. Point. It's a true episode of Core. We talked someone into buying something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's so inexpensive. It's on sale. And I've looked at it for, feels like years now because it's been in early access. So I will buy it. I yeah. bought it. It's awesome. installing. You might, there might be some audio hitches. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's coming down. I don't have my Steam throttled. So it uses, I have gigabit, but it uses the full. That's the other thing I like about Steam. It doesn't throttle downloads at all. It's just like, oh, you want this? And full blast. <laughs> it just goes... <laughs> and just like it chokes up like every other piece of software if I have something that's also internet connected. And I, I love it. Yeah. Download uh, Doom Eternal in like two seconds. It's great. So that is Gunfire Reborn. That is the last of the games I played this week. Bo, what did you play this week? <laughs> Yeah, well, I played some non-VR games, some flat-screen games. For those of you out there that love it when I call <laughs> games flat-screen, yep. it's like flat Pepsi or something. It just sounds derogatory, uh, even though it's just meant to just, anyways, whatever. Um, flat-screen games. I played flat-screen games this week. I need to take a little break. So I did, I was playing Skyrim VR a lot. I got a little tired of the spiders, I gotta say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of them. I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I think I did, because I think it happened before the recording I talked about it. But, like, I had that spider that fell off the ceiling. Like, when I went to bed that night, I just pictured, I just kept entering my head. I wasn't doing it on purpose. A giant spider descending on my bed and lifting me up to the ceiling and eating me. Like, I just, I was like, it was, it was really impactful. Like, but I think what had started happening. Um, I might have mentioned that last week, but as I was playing VR every day, I don't, I don't think we've studied this yet. I wonder, I was kind of, I spent a few nights dreaming in VR. Oh no. Y- yeah. So <laughs> what does, you know, mean? you might watch, you might watch a movie or play a game and it affects your sleep. But in VR, it just it affects you differently. It, it it engages some primal lizard brain stuff. It isn't even just about the graphics. It's about the feeling of it, I guess. I feel like when I play too much VR, my dreams get a little crazy. And I don't know if that like because I'm I'm in an immersed world. I, I just maybe that's normal and totally fine. And it's probably fine. But like I was just like maybe I'm gonna stop playing and play something else for a few days. Not even bad dreams. Just like. Just, I don't know. It, like, um, you know, you might dream about something that happened and it's in the context of the world. But what if you dream about things where, like, the world is imaginary? I don't know. It was just weird. It might have just been weird dreams. But it was more than one night. It was two or three nights where I was like, yeah, my, it's not even that they're dreams. It's just you go nights where your dreams aren't very active, right? Like yeah. every now and then you have active dreams and you're like, well, I have active dreams. I felt like I was consistently having active dreams, you know, like where most of the time you sleep and maybe you dream, you don't remember it and you just sort of sleep and wake up. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if VR is doing this. I, I'd be interested to understand if actual extended time playing VR like has an impact on sleep. Uh, I had a similar uh, week, but mine was cause I was on NyQuil. 
<laughs> well, you know, various drugs will have an impact on your sleep <laughs> yes. and food for sure. So it's not the only thing. And it might not be a bad thing. But I was like, I got it strapped on my face all day. Maybe I give my face a break and stuff. So I was like, and, and we talked about Guild Wars. So I'm like, so, I, you know, and then I think the straw that broke the camel's back is on the Skyrim loading screen, they show you various items, and one of them was the spider, and it scared the shit out of me. But it was just a loading <laughs> screen. But it was in 3D, and I was in my... I was like, I turned and looked, ah, it's just a spider just, like, in, in my face. I was like, I don't think I can play this game anymore. Even the loading screens are scary as shit. I, I really don't like... Uh, I'm truly arachnophobic. Um, I'm proud of myself for playing this far. It's that good, but I don't think... I gotta fix either fix it or stop playing. Um, anyway, so I was like, let me get into some flat screen games. Um, and I spent a long time trying to decide what to play. Of course, I know there's some folks out there who bought me Sekiro and Death Stranding and Inscription. I have these games, but I'm just like, just not in, I just not working up the thirst to play them. In every game I have the thirst to play is in like early access and I don't want to play it like Baldur's Gate or War Tales. And finally, I was like, you know, let me let me let me give that Guild Wars two a try. Scott's been talking about it. It's on Steam. It's free to play. Let me give it a try. And um, I found myself wanting to keep playing after the first little bit. I had some misgivings. Yeah. And I think this is where you come in. I think that's where um, I fell off. <laughs> I don't. Th- I think I logged in, and I was like. It's definitely dated. I was like, oh my gosh, why won't they let me change my graphic settings? Here's what happened. Uh, I'll just tell my story real quick because it's real short. It doesn't go anywhere. Uh, I logged in, and it immediately takes me to the character create screen. And I was like, oh god, this looks so bad. I was like, why couldn't I change my graphical resolution settings before I made my character? What are we doing? Like, what game doesn't let you fix the graphics and then goes, hey, pick the character you want to spend hundreds of hours playing as, and it's going to look <laughs> like ass. And uh, so I... That's I, a good point. I tried to find a way out of it, and it wouldn't let me, so I was like, fine, I'll just make the best character I can while it looks bad. And then I logged into the game, and then I checked my graphical settings, and honestly, it wasn't that bad. And I was like, oh shit, this is just how the game looks. <laughs> Yeah. This is how the game yeah. looks. This isn't good. Uh, you have to was, talk to Scott about the mods he installed. He said yeah. he made it look better with graphical mods, and it needs it. Yeah, it's I, not terrible, but I feel like I've taken a time machine to 2010. Yeah, you know, and I'm playing a 2010 game. And I, don't, I don't think Guilds Wars was that hot to begin with graphically, even when it came out. Um. Yeah, so I agree with that. That, that. that part that part was and remains a little rough for me in this game. Like, borderline deal breaker. It just looks, uh, you know, I know MMOs tend not to be graphically advanced. We're playing World of Warcraft and we're playing Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, I'm sure ESO probably even looks a little dated. But they sort of, they sort of fix that with style, you know, artistic style, uh, those kinds of things. I feel like that's less present in Guild Wars 2. I feel like just, I mean, you know, I like, really like how my plant person looks. I think my plant person looks cool. I love the idea of the character. But yeah, there's just... I, I feel like right now, and I know it gets better once you get in the real world, because, like, the plant people start in the dream, which is, like... 
Mm-hmm. It's like friggin' lens flare city. Like it looks like everybody is just shining a light into your face directly. Yeah, where I, you played, go. I played two or three levels in that area, so I have a good sense of what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, and I just yeah. I was just like, this is this is so much. Everything was just blurry, and also I have sunk a stupid amount of hours in uh, in another MMO, and it anybody will tell you. Doesn't matter how good the MMO is, when you try a new MMO. You're like, what is this garbage? Because you have gotten so used to, quote unquote, your game. This is how it was when I went from WoW to Final Fantasy. It's how I will feel if I ever play WoW again. I'll probably get back in and be like, what the hell is this? Um, It's definitely how I feel trying Guild Wars 2. I just started running around and I was like, why does everything feel like garbage? I hate it so much. So I need to stick with it. I've played the game before. I know I like the game. I just had a very hard time getting into the game again. Yeah. Well, it, I think it, I haven't played, been into an MMO for a while, so I'm more open than you are because I know that feeling. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. It's, you know, and certainly not everything is an improvement in um, Guild Wars 2. And, uh, but there's an, for me, like I kind of got into it because I haven't really played an MMO. And so far, it hasn't done any of the MMO things I don't like. You know, there's no reputation grind so far. Um, the checklist is okay because it's exploration. It feels optional. So, like, there's an MSQ. But, you know, the way it works is there are these, there are these nodes. Like, you can find vistas. You can find these little quest areas um, with, where these hearts are on the map. And you can do the activity there. What's kind of fun is that the game encourages you to hang out because NPCs will come up to you and say, hey, got a minute. And then you'll talk to them, and it'll start like an instance quest that other people can participate in. It's like, it's not a quest per se. It feels more organically someone's asking you for help, or there's a caravan that needs escorting, and then it becomes a world objective on the map. And then you kind of work on it, and then people can jump in. And, and like, it's a unique experience from a world exploration standpoint. But none of it feels obligatory. Like, if I go past a zone and don't discover all the instance content there like okay you know like i just don't world of warcraft and other mmos have conditioned me to be like let me complete all the quests in this hub before moving on to the next one let me you know do find all the things or whatever this feels more like um more casual yeah just go out and do whatever you want sort of thing like i'm level 40 and i'm still in a 15 to 25 zone the the level zoning too is interesting so it's basically like it unlocks mechanics uh, over time, which helps me to learn them. But um, I don't really care that I'm overleveled. Everything's still, you know, a, as much of a challenge as it's going to be. It's not that challenging right now. But uh, it's fun. I, 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 casual, I just, I'm like, I'm going to play a little more. Let me play a little more. Like, it's enjoyable. The class is interesting. It works differently than other MMOs. So it's, because it's its own unique thing, I sort of respect it, right? So you yeah. could be like, I prefer Final Fantasy fourteen, but you don't want to log in and just play the same game reskinned. Yeah. You are going to get a different experience. And my understanding is later on, once you get to level 80, <clears throat> um, which sounds like a lot, but I think you can get there pretty quick. I mean, if you're uh, at 40 and you really only just picked it up, I mean, that's, that's Well, that's when you... Clip. 80, I think, is when you pick your specialization, the equivalent of, like, you know, Fury Protection or Arms Warriors. In in most MMOs, you pick it as you go. I think you get to the end, and then you get your skill specializations. 
<clears throat> and most of the content is is max level content, like most of its end game content. Because again, the levels kind of don't matter with the scaling and stuff. You just play wherever you want to play. So it has that like unique feel to it, and it's like a lot of fun that way. Um, they did a dungeon, and the dungeon was all right. You know, I think the people I were with were not they weren't very intelligent. <laughs> there was a bad mechanic in the dungeon. I need to warn you about. There are these doors you can't walk through unless someone's standing on a button. Oh, and then it opens. And then everyone walks through, and there's two sets of doors. So I'm the kind person that I am hold the door open for everyone. Everyone walks through. No one holds the door open for me. And as a thief, <laughs> I can teleport into one set of doors, but then the other set of doors is closed. And then they did the boss. And then I was like, typing, can you come open the door for me? No one knows where to f- what I'm talking about. And they just moved <laughs> on, and I had to backtrack and find my own way around. I was like, man, this punk sucks. Like, dumb. <laughs> A bunch of assholes, like inattentive dumbasses. Um, but uh, you know, it was, it's a minor thing. But I just, I was like, this isn't a. It's a good mechanic if everyone's playing together on Discord. It's not a great mechanic for text chat, but it's the first level dungeon, so I, I don't know. Maybe expectations are low, but um, <clears throat> something to watch out for. All right. Um, but uh, overall, it's like it feels like a very casual uh, experience so far. And yes, the graphics are crappy, but I do appreciate. Someone in the chat said that it's, you know, the later stuff is much graphically better. Yeah, Omega 9 says pre-expansion. It's like playing Realm Reborn, right? It's like the best stuff's coming. Yeah. Don't judge the game. But it's yeah. like, well, how how much time am I going to spend in the early game before I actually get to see the awesome? You know, it's the problem of all MMOs. Right. So that's also a factor here, I think, uh, for you. Like, if you're just like, not, f- I'm going to kind of, I'm at 40. I'm so close to 80. I think I'll probably play a little longer and, and see yeah, what Yeah, it would be insanely hypocritical of me to be mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't have an immediate first liking of this game. It must be bad. Like, no, I, I fully acknowledge that, one, there was a game I used to really like there, because I did, like I said, I played it a lot back in the day. Um, but in addition to that, like, you know, you got to give it time. I just, I did not... I got in and I was like, I need to play something for core. I've got, I got a little bit of time. I was not in the right mindset to play this game and be like, let's give it a thorough try and really see what's here. I got a, I got a little snippet in, you know, five, 10 minutes that I had to play that is not going to be indicative of what that game is. That said, I was shocked at how much I remembered because I honestly, this is, this may be a, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I don't know what the opinions of the Guild War community are. I think most of the races in the game are boring as hell, except the plant people. I think they're cool. Uh, And I think they're maybe the only cool race in the game. I mean, besides people, which are just, you know, like human. The char are kind of neat, though. No, I think they're my least favorite. Uh, Them and the little, uh, you know, tiny guys. I never like the little tiny guys in games and... I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah, that, that's a particular taste. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. The race choices don't seem super inspired. Like, there's there's something about the game that doesn't feel super inspiring from a lore. Even just the quest. I'm clicking through the quest. I'm barely reading this, the tech. I'm like, okay, it's, there's a great empire and it's in trouble. You need to go help out. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go help. Like, I've, I've done this ten thousand times. Like, but because you know. I felt that way. Uh, I've only ever really played the pa- the plant people a lot, and I have a history of remaking my character over and over again in any mm-hmm. video game, let alone MMOs. And so the whole monologue started once you make your character where it's talking about, 
you know, where you're at and how you're coming into the world and all of that. And I was like, I can recite this line for line as they're saying it. Why is this locked in my memory? Like, I've heard it so many times. And I was like, even as I was making the decisions, which, you know, like, as you're making your character and you're picking, like, weird things, kind of is like Morrowind. It's asking you a questionnaire almost. I was like which one of these was good? I was like, I kind of remember the white stag being interesting, but I remember the green knight was kind of cool. And like, maybe I should pick the green knight. Cause I know that impacts your personal journey a little bit, like whatever you pick in, in those options. So oh, yeah. um, <laughs> that was the part of character creation. I couldn't stand. I was like, what are these obscure dumb choices? <laughs> like, obviously these picks mean something, but they don't explain it. Like, great. no, they don't, so, they don't tell I feel, you. I feel so empowered by these decisions. Like, like, what do you, when you dream, what do you dream about? A green knight or a white stag like, or a moon that's, rock? That's the thing about this MMO <laughs> that I may get me to stop playing prematurely. Um, is I'm not ready for an investment in an actual MMO. Like I, someone mentioned Mortal Online too. It's like uh, theme park MMOs are more friendly to an adult's time than EVE Online. Like I respect those games, but... It feels like a decision, like family, we sit down, I'm going to be playing EVE Online, I need eight hours a week, I won't be playing other <laughs> games. Like I, ga- like, I respect the hell out of those games, but games like that I do not have an interest in, unless unless I actually find it awesome enough to justify it, but I don't think that game exists. Yeah. Um, so, so, and you know, I, I actually even do that with game. I did that with Final Fantasy XIV as well, I'm like, I'm going to need a lot of hours to sink into this, that was the biggest factor, I, I don't think I'm ready you know, you've sacrificed a lot of time on the altar of Final Fantasy at the expense I, of other games. I you see know. it every time I go to log in. What my play hours are just on Steam, and it's it's uh, honestly just, a shocking amount. Yeah, and until you know, and, and that's more my bent and taste too. Like I would much rather get into a, a Planet Side or Heroes, like a, some sort of competitive game that I really like, versus a MMO that's my player profile <laughs> amongst the group. You guys, you and Scott both have strong MMO backgrounds and me not so much. Like I play them, but not to the degree that you guys uh, have. Um, So, you know, Guild Wars 2 sort of hitting that casual note, but even that, I'm like, well, there's a lot of story and there's an an achievement list that I'm ignoring. I don't know how (laughs) like there's always that like, hmm, I don't know, this might get to be too big of a a commitment for me. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of territory to cover. But right. so far, I'm just like, oh, let me play this. It's enjoyable. Yeah, uh, I think that that I think that if I remember correctly, is like one of the game's strengths is it's so just like open and like I don't know. You want to do a jump puzzle? Go do a jump puzzle right now. Like just do what you mm-hmm. want to do. Like don't worry about it. Like Final Fantasy is extraordinarily linear on what you're supposed to do when you get into it, and it opens up in some interesting ways. But if you're leveling, you're playing the story. Like that's what you're doing. And if I remember correctly, like one of the things I loved about Guild Wars 2 was that it was a lot more of go out and just kind of do what you want to do. Like, here's an activity. You want to do it? If you don't, that's fine. If you do, we're going to give you XP for it. And I think that that really works as a good strength to the game. It makes it the perfect game if you have, like, other stuff that you want to watch or do on the side. Cause you're like, ah, I don't have to get super invested in this. This like, this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's the, you know, that's the, the issue is the, is the time investment ultimately, I think. 
But um, so the casualness works very well for it. So I had a good time with it. I mean, I didn't think too hard about it. I just needed a break from VR, and I, I wanted to bring something non-VR because there are those <laughs> I've seen your comments in the Discord. If some people are like, "Okay, enough with the VR," <laughs> um, and I do want to balance it, uh, even my own game time because of the dreams too. But that's why I went there and I just not finding that game. Although I kind of found it today, although I don't think it'll distract me from guild wars two too much, but, um, I bought the ascent on, mm. on, on steam. So I played it on, on Xbox game pass, but I don't have game pass. And I saw it was on sale. And my problem with the ascent is I, it hit me at a bad time. It's a graphically demanding game and my old computer couldn't handle it. And I tried to steam it and couldn't handle it even less. It was buggy as shit, too, at the time. So then I played it on Xbox and streamed it from Xbox, but I don't like the controller controls with it. It's a mouse and keyboard game for me. So I kind of gave up on the game because I couldn't find a way to play it that was suitable for me. And it just occurred to me, oh, I've got I've got a bomb-ass computer now. I'm like, and it's on sale for like 18 bucks. I got to play The Ascent. And let me tell you, it still kind of feels like it's working harder than it needs to as a game, <laughs> you know. But it, it, I think there might be a few reasons for it that that makes it special. Anyways, I'm getting a good experience out of it this time. Um, I've got about six hours in. That game is really fun. It's got a little expansion content. It's only like five bucks, and I, I think it's only a few, like maybe five to ten hours of content according to reviews. But still, expansion content. It's more stable. Only encountered one bug that was solved with a quit to character select screen and back into the game. Um, and um, it's it's like you know we talked about the things I really like, like ultra violence, um, Doom Eternal, Cyberpunk, Hellcrete. Like it ha- this is that right? You've, we've talked about it a lot. You've you've played it, right? Uh, yeah, I played a little bit of the ascent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has the blood. I think what I love best about it is uh, you know we talked about. Uh, games that um, things we want besides graphics to improve games like NPCs. And in this game, one thing I notice is there's just a lot of NPCs floating around. I kill so many innocents and try not to and end up blowing them up. I think <laughs> you just, you can't, it doesn't matter. Life is cheap in this place. But what I really appreciate about the game is, is this is why Cyberpunk 2077 is derided. I know the weather is a taste thing. I think I would take the side the, the the rainy weather constantly but the actual city the actual like a lot of cyberpunk is like urban sprawl endless expansion the depression of being nobody in millions making a name for yourself out of billions living in squalor and and being insignificant in the face of large corporations this gives that sense of scale like there's no, you know, Cyberpunk has like a suburb and it has a Mad Max nomad area because it's part of the game. But honestly, like, it's the one part of Cyberpunk 2077 that I can do without. Like, Pan Am's great and banging her in a tank is great and killing dudes with her is great and then the gang out there. But you could cut all that from the game and I'd still be happy with Cyberpunk and just put those resources into more of the sprawl. So the Ascent really delivers on that. In a way that is like way too almost excessive. So like most of the backgrounds in games like that would be a J, couple of parallax JPEGs. Like there's the sprawl. You see the image. But this actually, this game, I think the reason it chugs is they go through like great effort 
to actually render 3D animated objects that rotate and just and, and like I'm reminded about how like the environment is like the main character of this game. Like they had a guy who's doing environments who you know like we need you to do this work and they did 15 times the amount of work. <laughs> They're like like well, you know, there's just so much environment in here and it's like it's great. It's richer for it. I, I just think now that I can play that game on a good PC with the controls I want, it's hitting me. It just gave me a really strong impression. I'm like, oh, I found the game I was looking for. It's, this is the game I wanted to play. Hyperviolent. I wish it had more Diablo-like builds. You just get items. Right. And, you know, but um, the game is super fantastic. So, yeah, I'm playing The yeah, Ascent, You made too. me want to play it again. Like, I, yeah. I didn't play a ton of it, but I liked what I played, and uh, I'd love to get back into it. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, I, I picked that up, too, and I was just... I was kind of jonesing for that game, <laughs> Ziggurat and 704. These are people who bought games for me to play that I haven't played. Um, they're like, I know a good game that has stars Guimero del Toro and Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Why? Why? Yep. Yeah, you're right. Why wouldn't I want to be a, a, a samurai? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I want to try those games, and I think when I try them, I'll be like, you know, why have I waited? I'm sure. But this is just... This uh, sometimes is you got to go to a game... At the Ascent at was the what right I wanted. Mindset. It's, mindset. it's got a great soundtrack. It's got explody bodies. And Cyberpunk's a good theme for me. And it's top down action shooter. It plays like V Rising. I, it made me realize something about V Rising, about why V Rising isn't where it's deficient. Because it, you get all these abilities and it's great, but there's no progression yeah. in the game. There's no. There's no progression in the sense that like these abilities become more and more significant over time and the enemies become like that that layer is not there. And because it is kind of that game, I kind of find myself wanting it, even if that's not part of their original design intent. And so it does feel like it's lacking in that department. And it, it didn't occur to me until I played Ascent, because it's kind of the same thing with Ascent. You level up your character sheet, but the weapons are just gonna be the weapons. Um it's not like you take a weapon and modify it in some way with another legendary and then it becomes this, uh, there's no item science. Yeah. And that's what makes a Diablo or Path of Exile fun is the item science. It's okay. It's a $20 game, so maybe it's fine that it's not in there. But it just made me realize that about V Rising, where I'm like, yeah, there's not going to be item science in this game, really. And that's, I want that more than I want a survival game, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> no, no, from it does. V-Rising. Yeah, yeah. 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 Want a vampire ARPG, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. That sounds great. I want it too. I don't feel pressure to play at 704, by the way, at Secure. I just feel like answering the people who bought me games that I didn't play. I just, you know. It's just a weird dynamic because then you feel guilty for not playing them. But I will get to them. I will get to them. All right. Anyways, that's that's what I played and uh, Skyrim VR. So we talked a lot about that and I'm not going to talk anymore. Spiders. Spiders, they suck in VR. Spiders, it's like the worst game to play. I think it's the only game that's super unsensitive because it's modded. It's the VR's worst spiders. Well, that is going to do it for the show. Uh, We're at the end here. I don't have access to the email box. We're not doing emails either. But the show's been very long. So uh, I think it ultimately works out to... uh, to all the same still even though we didn't read any emails today you can send an email at talk to the core at gmail.com and when scott's back and can uh, read the emails 
we'll read them. We'll read them on this show. <laughs> uh, that is going to do it for Core Episode 330. Thank you so much for being here. It was a weird one. We don't have Scott, but he'll be back next week. Uh, we wish him well on his boat adventure. And I, if what he's been saying in Discord is to uh, is to set anything up, he's going to have a lot of stories to tell. Uh, apparently, it's been crazy. So I'm I looking forward to a that. Lot of- he played a lot of Steam games. If you like your Steam yeah, Deck reviews, he, he did. He did take his Steam Deck. We can confirm that. So he's got that. He was uh, what was he playing earlier? He said he was playing something. Oh, he's playing uh, Kingdoms of Amalur. That's what he was playing. Yeah. Um, it, anyway, I mean, I'm assuming the re reckoning, not yeah. the original reckoning, the, the re reckoning, re reckoning. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you, everybody. Make sure you follow us uh, on, well, Patreon. It's not really a follow. It's more support. Throw money at us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash core show. That's where people go to help support the show and make things like this happen. And we appreciate all the patrons who are helping us out. You can find this episode along with the other episodes at frogpants.com slash core. Although big appreciation to everybody who joined us live because odds are you're hearing this late because it's not getting posted until scott gets back so uh hey that's the way it is if you want to find out where we're going to be when we're going to be live and you're like i didn't know you were doing it live on a different channel why didn't you tell us well get on twitter and follow at core pod for the show at john underscore jagger for myself at scott johnson for scott and at bo schwartz for Bo, uh, you can typically catch us on twitch.tv slash frog pants every thursday night that's where we'll be. Uh, until then, Bo, give us a give us a closing number. A close. Oh, um. I don't remember how the ending part goes. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs>